0: You're listening to Oh Yoshi Idiot. Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. Oh, don't you ever... All right, welcome to the new episode of Yoshi Den. I'm in um, Matt, this is what Whittier, right? Whittier, California. Okay. I'm here with Matt Walker, a comedian friend of mine, and also I didn't know this until recently. Maybe you mentioned it to me before, but mm-hmm. um, you're a big IT guy and you you do you have a day job as a mostly Programmer yeah, or?
1: I do freelance IT consulting. So, like, I deal with small businesses and helping them mm-hmm. get their networks working right and uh, setting up databases to manage sales and all that kind of stuff.
0: And today's December 22nd or 23rd? Uh,
1: third. Let's see. Christmas is Thursday, so 24th. 22nd, I, 22nd, I guess. 22nd,
0: yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit of hacking stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't know, but I think they'll hear this in two weeks. Okay but who knows maybe they have an update by then it'll probably but, uh, still be in the news Yeah,
1: I would imagine and unless, if, unless the world has been blown up by nuclear weapons <laughs>
0: <laughs> by so I have I do have a lot of questions about that but let's talk because I know you mainly as mm-hmm. a stand up comic yeah. and um, I, I don't even remember the first time I met you but we we do those shitty rooms in Southern California we met and you just uh, did a wonderful job of uh, producing <laughs> and performing uh, our special. Well, really thank dear. you. Yeah,
1: I've been uh, doing comedy since June of '03, and I met you. I don't know around that time. Yeah, and I think you've been doing comedy what a few years longer than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I just you know started making the rounds on the circuit. When you start, you know, at first you just go into like two or three open mics, and all of a sudden, within like, if you're really going to do it, within six months you're doing like you know 5 nights a week all over sure. you know inland empire the valley san diego wherever you go uh so i just sort of fell into that and then you know we just
0: we met yeah met
1: that way um Back when you gave us all grab bags of porn
0: every time you saw us, sure. <laughs> uh, everybody, uh, they they complained, and the, the, the new people that I meet, they complained. I don't give the, it. You know, they're important? But I don't. don't work for anymore. And once again, we're going to talk about high tech stuff. After mm-hmm. we talk a little bit about your background and comedy and stuff, but you know, it's strange. Even people want DVDs these days. You know?
1: Yeah, it's, it's everything's it's, on the internet now. Yeah. It's like because uh, I, I did. A, uh, I remember there was a Playboy Radio. Where they're situated now, because they used to be filled with serious. Then they're this offshoot now, they do this internet thing. Yeah. But they're all basically in the same holding company, I think owns Playboy, but it's the same people that own Pornhub and YouPorn and like Brazzers and like they're the parent company of all these uh, content distribution places. Okay. And they were saying that like, mm. they because they were setting up a show, it was going to be like an internet web show hosted by these porn stars, like... Like, Total Request Live for videos, but it's going to be Total Request Live for porn, where people right. call and be like, I want to see a girl get peed on by a cat while she gets fucked in the ass by a horse, whatever. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, here we go. And then, boom, just play the clip. And they were saying, like, and I was like, well, how can you do that? Like, do you have all this? And they're like, oh, we have everything. It was crazy that, like, all that stuff is sort of coming, like, under the same
0: umbrella. I, I don't know who owned them anymore because the last time I checked there was a company in Germany or Switzerland called mm-hmm. Manwen and they they bought Brazzer which was a company yeah. in Montreal and those guys pissed people in porn business because while pretending like they were outraged that mm-hmm. uh, those tube sites were stealing stuff they actually they ran. owned them they, they, were they owned them yeah. but
1: yeah. They, they were they didn't talk about both know. sides of their mouth yeah.
0: yeah and Manwin bought them out. Now I don't know who owns everything now because it's just very. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't understand it. I don't understand how people make money in that business. You know. Um, yeah,
1: I was just. I was actually curious about the other day. I was like, how does anybody make money anymore when the con- the consumption of porn now seems to me that most of that has shifted to viewing on the internet and these tube sites are huge for all that stuff yeah. and there's ads on there I guess and people make referrals and people might sign up for websites I guess if you're like really into something you might sign up for a website but you know I, I imagine the average consumer doesn't do that it's like the hardcore guys might yeah. but the average consumer probably doesn't do anything with that stuff anymore I don't know how they make money
0: I don't, I don't know either. Unless there was something like porno version Netflix or something, mm-hmm. and I think people are willing to pay like eight bucks a month. Yeah, just get whatever. They, they, they watch as many as you can. That seems to be more business real, idea, more real realistic. Shape. I mean, they did this thing. I, I there's one coanteless, if I remember, it was run by two Vietnamese business guys, and mm-hmm. their friend of my friend, friends of my friend Yuka, but they used to do this thing where it's Netflix in the early stage, which mm-hmm. is. They would ship one to three, four, or five DVDs. Yeah, DVDs, yeah. Yeah. But I never thought that was practical. Yeah, I because heard about, who. I remember ever,
1: hearing about like a porn version of Netflix like seven or eight years ago yeah. that was DVDs. Uh, but now everything's streaming. I mean, most of the stuff that gets made is never even pressed on a DVD, right?
0: Yeah. No. And I didn't think it was practical because unlike regular Hollywood DVDs, who in the right mind want to touch those DVDs? Yeah, it's like, uh, I, I know, I know like, what you've been doing. Yeah. I don't so, want
1: to like put my hand on it yeah
0: i I just didn't think it was very practical but you know i mean it just seemed like it was yesterday myspace was a huge thing yeah it's it's you know everything
1: changes so fast in the world of technology that i mean this is what distribution has come down to now it's a technology business it's not even a content business these days it's like uh you know for anything really it's all about you know how do you distribute from one place to another
0: yeah yeah and uh, you know i, I, I like I'll, I'll I'll ask you more high tech stuff, <laughs> but let's first begin with okay I'm um, talking comedy right oh even before that yeah. but like you you're one of those unusual people in show business in that you were born you're actually born in southern california
1: I, well, I was born in San Francisco, but we moved back to the l a area when I was three, but okay. my father's from Southern California, and my mother uh I think her family moved to Southern California when she was like twelve, yeah so my family's been in Southern California for a long time. Um, and then I grew up here, and I went to college in Pennsylvania, and then when I learned that snow sucks, yeah. I moved back to California when I was done with college, and I will never go back and live somewhere where it snows. I can't handle that at all.
0: But, wait, but you say you you're you born and raised in what neighborhood? Pico and Pico what? Rivera
1: is the um. town. It's uh, like we're here in Whittier. Pico Rivera is just west of us. Like if you cross the 605 freeway from where we are, yeah. then that's Pico Rivera.
0: What was that neighborhood like when you were growing up?
1: All Mexicans. The the same way it is now. It's all Mexicans. I mean, I grew up in a very, uh, I, I think Pico Rivera is like ninety six percent Hispanics. Up like that. It's it's
0: in the it's in that range. Um, I I I guess, and I don't want I don't want to be. And I'm the whitest guy ever. No, that was uh, my point was um, I know Pico Union was a really rough area. Okay. Yeah. That's so um, it's rough because that not that people are bad in those neighborhoods, but you know I'm 45 so mm-hmm. I remember um Pico Union was there was a lot of uh central american immigrants a yeah. lot of illegal mm-hmm. aliens in fact there uh, some of them especially salvadorians getting picked on so mm-hmm. much from uh, mexican uh mm-hmm. gangs then they started their own
1: gangs,
0: their own gangs yeah. ms13 yeah and uh they're Mo- one of the most ferocious one of uh, vicious, gang- vicious yeah, gangs yeah i mean there's there's certainly
1: a gang problem where yeah.
0: where they are. i mean there's a gang
1: problem here I mean, Yeah. you know uh, but i think like when you when you look at southern california and you look at the demographics of of how the city's been uh back in say the 60s the 70s yeah when immigrants started moving in and there was like all the white flight from the from the inner cities sure. and everybody moved out to the suburbs right Then what happened was uh, immigrants would typically move to Los Angeles in the South Central area, which is now just South L.A., because changing the name all of a sudden fixed it, apparently. But South Central L.A., that's what will always be to me. So they moved in those areas. And then their kids typically, like the next generation, would move to, like, one of those outer ring cities, which is, like, the South Gates, Bell, mm -hmm. Bell Gardens, Pico Revere is one of the Montebello, places like that. So, like, it's typically...
0: When those are working class neighborhoods. Working
1: class, and it's like the people where like the immigrants come in, and they typically work very hard, and then their children have a slightly better shot yeah. at doing things, and they're usually the first ones who can buy a house, and that's what a lot of those communities are really uh, populated by is people where like you know they're first-time home buyers and they can afford it for the first time in their sure. family, which is which is cool. And I grew up around you know just a normal working-class town when we first moved there. There was still a Ford plant in the city, but I think it closed down, like, right around the time when, when we... You mean there. automobile Ford? Yeah. They used to build Ford cars in Rivera right there, yeah. And then oh, that, plant, that. that plant got bought by Northrop, who then used it when they were uh, building the uh, stealth bomber. Right. And they didn't manufacture mass amounts of them there, but they did a lot of their testing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, in the buildings there, and then they built their stuff out in, out there, Palmdale.
0: Um, because, you know, I, I moved down here in 85 from Washington State, and then mm-hmm. um, because, um, you know, I, I don't know, I guess most people who've never been to L.A., they don't realize how big aerospace business is down here. Huge. Yeah. It's yeah. huge. And most of the kids from my generation were tend to be Republicans because... Mm-hmm. You know, Reagan did a lot of wonderful things for defense industry in Southern <laughs> California, and you, you know, I, I guess they would support whoever's <laughs> providing jobs for you. He did you a know? few good things. He yeah. did
1: many, many more bad things, but he did a few good things.
0: And I, I remember growing up, like you know, this a lot of people think it, you know, movie business for sure, tourism, but um, yeah. but people don't. Realize I mean, in
1: in Southern California, you look at the the big industries; it's obviously entertainment, tourism are probably the the big two that get all the uh... all the press but i mean aerospace has to be right up there historically not as much now because a yeah. lot of the plants have closed, like in downey where they built some of the space shuttles was in downey at rockwell um, there is a big Boeing plant in uh... long beach that i think is no longer as big as it was it's yeah. still there but i mean a lot of those places have moved a lot of their manufacturing out of southern california like a lot of the manufacturing is done here but a lot of the engineering is still done here in southern california
0: and also um... Space projects. You mm-hmm. know, oh, that's been SpaceX huge lately. And, yeah, because uh, SpaceX
1: is here. Uh, you have, I think, some of the stuff with uh, Virgin Space. I think they're doing some of the stuff here. You know, Elon Musk being here in Southern California now. Sure. It's a lot of all, you know, all his weird, <laughs>
0: Elon, his
1: Hyperloop he's working on now.
0: Did you hear about e- that? E- e- Elon's <laughs> like kind of like he really is that guy who plays uh, uh, Iron Man. Really? Yeah, he's kind
1: of like you know he wants to be that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Did he make most of the money from PayPal or what did he make money from? Do you remember?
1: Uh, his initial money, I don't know where his initial money came from, but I know he's been involved in all kinds of ventures and, you know. Yeah.
0: Uh, Tesla is like owned by him. Yeah, Tesla's that.
1: his company. Uh, and that one's actually, again, you know, they, they built the first of those cars here in Southern California. And now they've got uh, other plants in Nevada and, and elsewhere. But, I mean, it's still very much a California business.
0: And, it, and it's sort of a trend in innovation cars. It's usually start in Southern California, even though Detroit was historically the place to manufacture cars. Well, thing,
1: if you drive around here in Southern California, you'll notice <clears throat> in the winter, especially in Santa Monica, I noticed it, because I used to have a client that would go visit in Santa Monica all the time. You see a ton of cars with manufacturer Michigan plates in Southern California during the winter because they can't really test them when they're snowed under in Detroit. So they drive their cars out here, and they've got like... Temporary body molding on them. Like, Mm -hmm. you'll see them on the freeways if you look around enough, especially during the winter, where they have like these temporary body molds. Like, you look at the car and you're like, it doesn't quite look right. Yeah. And they've got things where they're testing like the aerodynamics of the car over long periods, how it holds up over like uh, different kinds of roads. And they'll drive them out here from Michigan and then they'll, you know, drive them back. But they'll test their cars and they'll come out to Southern California to test them around on our streets because we have such a wide variety of uh, terrain. You know, we got hills, we got potholes, we got smooth streets, we got terrible yeah. streets. You know, anything you want to drive a car on to test it, we got out here.
0: And, you know, I've, I've said this many times on the show that it, I'm incredibly biased because I've, I've lived in West Coast for so long, mm-hmm. but to me, the state of California is the most interesting, creative, innovative state because you look at places like, you know, Silicon Valley, I mean, talk mm-hmm. about the area that had a huge yeah. influence throughout the world. We have show business down here. But also, surprising for like my family visiting from Asia, Central Valley, Central yeah. of the, it's a California big, huge farming community. California
1: is the number one agriculture state in the U.S. Mm-hmm. We produce more, like the you think of Wisconsin when you think of cheese. We make way more cheese and dairy products here in California. Wine like, in know.
0: the Napa Valley. Yeah. Um, weed in Humboldt, Humboldt uh, County. Yeah. My sister uh, lives up there in Eureka.
1: All the way so, up there,
0: yeah. it, it it's an incredibly um, interesting state. It's a very it diverse
1: is. state. I I I really like California. I mean, I've been in, uh, I think, 36 of the U.S. states, something like that. So, I've seen a lot of different parts of the country and different things. And some places you go, and it's like, especially in the middle of the country, you go places. And, like, the entire state, like, the highest point of the state is, like, 10 feet. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like everything is just so flat. flat. And it's farmland. And it's, uh you know, very... Very nice, down to earth people, but you don't get a lot of mixture. Everything's very homogenous in a lot of these yeah. places. And, in California, you get a lot of variety, which is nice. And Southern California, especially, is probably one of the most diverse places in the world, I'd imagine, in terms of all the cultures that come together here. I mean, like, if you want cuisine that's authentic from any region of the world, you can find it in Southern California.
0: And if you're a racist, you'll be very exhausted. Exactly. In LA, if you're
1: racist, the, the, you get tired. There's so many people to hate, so many. <laughs>
0: So I, I I'm biased, and I'm I'm very happy to be here. Even though I, I haven't had like full time regular job, I mm-hmm. I even times have been very difficult to live yes. here.
1: It is expensive. I, sure. I
0: I I don't want to leave here. No, I I like to leave and visit other places mm-hmm. so I could appreciate California better in that mm-hmm. respect. But yeah, I, I lived in New York City for six months, and I I, I, I miss New York City. I like it, but. My personality and things that I want out of life, it's more suitable for Southern California. So, yeah. you know, I'm... It's a little more relaxed. It's yeah. not as
1: intense, hard driving, but...
0: So, you grew up in the area, <laughs> and what, what was it like growing up in that area, you know?
1: Uh, well, I was basically the only... Well, I won't say only, but I was one of the very few white kids yeah. in, in all my schools, and it was just it was just a thing. Like, I never really even thought of it as being odd until I went to college i think it's probably the first time i mean it's you not like,
0: pittsburgh right? Carnegie yeah, Mellon. I
1: went to Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh. It's not that I wasn't conscious of it being unique because you know most people obviously don't grow up being an extreme minority right. in, in whatever community but um... because for some reason humans we tend to sort of like self-segregate like we tend to congregate with people who look like us for sure. whatever reason but uh... You know, it was uh, like all my friends when I grew up. We were all, you know, Mexican American, and I ate a lot of great Mexican food, which is cool. And I learned almost none of the language Spanish, which is bad. I wish I had uh, when I was uh, when I was back in school. I should have taken Spanish classes. But no, it was just uh, you know, people are people. So I mean, they're they're Americans, just like anybody else. It's they might have a slightly different heritage than if you're like the average person in Nebraska, but we're all Americans all growing up here and I imagine I imagine a lot of the people I went to school with were uh, probably illegal aliens Mm -hmm. and I think that probably knowing that and how many people I know and knowing what their families were like and I think that probably has influenced my political beliefs today in terms of what I think about immigration and and what we should do with people who are here uh, and stuff like that. I think that that's obviously been uh, influenced by my upbringing because, I mean, I just view them as they're just people who happen to live here. It's like not... A thing that I think of as being like, oh, we need to kick everybody out or whatever. But I mean, I, I, think, I, I
0: think I think you're right because mm-hmm. you know there was never a time when I met you that you you're one of those white person that was afraid to hang out with different race or stuff. No. There, was, there there's never a fear because you're it's, used to it. It
1: was weird when I was in college. It was the first time I've ever lived around white people.
0: Yeah,
1: and I was just like, white people are weird. You know, it was uh, it was it was interesting to uh, to live around a bunch of white people. You know, have a bunch of white roommates sure. and stuff, and. Uh, You know, it's like I just, you know, I have friends that were, you know, white and and black and uh, Hispanic and Asian and whatever, uh, when I was in college too, but...
0: uh, I I, I went through the same thing because growing up in Washington, I was so used to just going to school and environment where all white. When I moved to California in 85, I was shocked how many Asian kids are in the class. It was just, it was reverse cultural shock (laughs) to me, you know, and, uh, but I, I I... I got so used to be in that minority. Like any environment, yeah. it didn't it didn't really bother. I guess it, going back to Japan was strange. Like, wow, everybody. Because yeah, Japan
1: is a very homogeneous country where, like, everybody looks. You know, they've yeah. all got the same uh, ethnic background. For you know, like if you go to China, I mean, the Han Chinese are like almost all the country now. Sure. Uh, so um, it's interesting to see the diversity here versus other parts of the country and other parts of the world. You, know, so like you were talking about going to Scandinavia and there it's you know, very white and blonde haired, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah, they they do have a lot of minorities, but I I didn't experience any of it because when they when they see me even though I have accent, when you speak English They can't tell because they have an accent too in English. <laughs> no, no, actually they're I mean they're pretty flawless wow. English. And um I think there are some immigration issues and they're concerned mm-hmm. but it's it's not they don't have concern to people with who look like me because yeah. we don't have a let's be blunt we yeah. don't have a terrorism kind of thing going for us and
1: yeah you're not uh, you're not coming from the Middle East you're coming from the Far East and yeah the-
0: and especially if I you know if they could they could use your tail. I um, have a Japanese name I'm yeah. probably just visiting yeah. I'm not going to be a problem you look like you know? a
1: tourist yeah yeah
0: and And then the second thing is, I speak English, and when you speak English, there are certain words and concepts that you're familiar with, like Mm -hmm. democracy and uh, liberty and things like that. So, I I guess, as long as I have those notions in my head, Mm -hmm. you know, Western civilization and uh, free ideas, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that, I I don't think that's an issue, but... um, As long as you're not coming from Pyongyang, they're okay with it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Oh, it's it's interesting you say that because quite often Sweden is used by United States and North Korea whenever Mm -hmm. we're trying to get oh uh, to like as an intermediary. Yeah, because we don't we don't have embassy in each each other's country, so we will use third party party like Norway and Sweden, Mm -hmm. and they do a so even though we we are superpower, we have to use these uh, smaller countries to help us in the situations like that. That's a that's a very common practice, but. For me, Sweden, I think if I'm being blunt, they're just afraid of people from Middle East and Muslims mm. in, in, in general because maybe they don't share the custom of Scandinavian mm-hmm. and you know uh, uh, not all Muslims because yes. I have a lot of Muslim comedian friends lives there yep. and they're they're westernized too, mm-hmm. you know but um but i didn't I didn't represent I- I- any of that stuff
1: yeah, I imagine but, in a lot of parts of the world they they tend to be uh, not as open to people who don't share their views on society. Yeah. Uh, so I mean like, you know, I'd imagine if I moved to, to Beijing, China, for example, there'd probably be a little bit of a shock and there'd probably be a little bit of people who might be a little skeptical of of why I'm there and things like that. I totally would get that. I totally understand it.
0: As, as long as you're trying to speak the language and comply with their rules, yeah. I don't think you, you have any problem, but um,
1: well, in Chinese, I can say two words, and that's it. So What? Well, uh, I can say, xie xie. Yeah, thank
0: which you. Which is,
1: thank you. And, ni uh, hao. Yeah. So, that's about all I learned. I, I was in Beijing for a week uh, when SARS was big, because I got a trip there that was dirt cheap. Wait, wait,
0: wait. So, you just went there for vacation? Yeah.
1: I went to Beijing for vacation in uh, 2004, at the height of the SARS up there, because I got to go to Beijing. Uh, it was airfare, hotel. Transportation tuned from the airport in Beijing, breakfast every morning at the hotel for a one-week trip, and it was 6.50. Oh, my God. And I was like, well, of course I'm going to China because nobody was going because of SARS. Everybody was scared. And we went there, and, like, there were, like, eight Americans in our hotel, and, like, yeah. their tourism was off so much that the guy who ran the local tourism agency, because it's all, like, state-run, he checked out a room in the hotel so he could be there in case we needed anything while we were there. Sure. Like, we go to the Forbidden City and uh, Tiananmen Square. And it was just uh myself and my roommate at the time, and a tour guide, and that was it like it was like a private tour, and it was like a five dollar tour and like we just had this tour guide taken it was like it was what, great what,
0: what was the impression of Chinese people in general for you uh
1: they're very nice i mean everybody was uh they tend to be curious about us like they they want to know who we were and like yeah. where we came from, but they were all uh very nice um they seemed to be happy to have us there they were friendly um one The one cultural thing I noticed was that uh, they don't wait in line. Like, we went to go on the subway, because we we're going to go to the zoo over there. I even heard and, they have a tendency to cut lines. Yeah, because like, you go there, and like I'm used to, like, okay, you wait in line for the yeah. person in front of you, and then you go up and you buy your ticket. Yeah. But there, it was just like a mad rush to this counter to buy tickets to get on the subway. <laughs> and then, like, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I'm next. And then something like I just ran in, and then, like, other you know, people do it. I was like, oh, that's just what they do. Like, they don't wait in lines, but...
0: Well, I think I think when you have over a billion people, it's kind of hard to be. You simple. don't want to
1: wait, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but no, I had a great time. I I loved it. The food was outstanding. Although if you get orange chicken in China, it's going to have bones in it. Just so you know. Yeah. Just a warning: <laughs> their food will have bones in it. So like did you, you, did get you, you go by yourself, again. or I went with my roommate at the time, and uh, we went out there and had a great time. It was it was, it was a blast. I mean, we went to. You know, like, see the acrobat show, like, the national acrobats who are amazing. We got to see the Great Wall. and
0: So not knowing the language didn't stop you from having good No, enough dinner.
1: people spoke English. Yeah. Um, where I think English has become a pretty universal language around the world for travelers. Um, that there was always, a, like, anywhere that we would have gone to try to do business. Sure. There was at least one person who could speak enough English so that we could make the transaction happen. Right. Um... I do remember going to a restaurant there. There was, like, this restaurant. I guess it's kind of a famous place where it's, uh, I think, five or six stories high. And each story is a different Peking duck restaurant because we're in Beijing, which is Peking. And I'm like, well, might as well Peking duck while you're here. right? Yeah. And then each one gets fancier as you go up higher. So, we had the ground floor <laughs> one because it was cheap. <laughs> Wait.
0: It sounds like Game it's of like, Death from <laughs> to Bruce death Lee. Lee. Like, you Peking go duck. to yeah. each floor. <laughs> yes, and you eat Peking
1: duck. But, uh, so, like, the ground floor was, like, the, the, like, the cheapo Peking duck. And yeah. that's what we had because it was, like... We got, like, a whole duck and the whole meal for, like, $6. Yeah. For the two of us, like, $6 a total. Uh, but, like, at the top level, it would have been, like, $50 or whatever, right? But, uh, so we're there, and, like, we asked for, like, a Coke, and that one took us a little while to get, and then they finally, they brought us forks because they saw us, like, struggling <laughs> using chopsticks because yeah. I, I don't have chopstick skills. Uh, I had a friend who could eat soup with chopsticks, which still amazes me, by the way. He was a Korean friend of mine when I was growing up.
0: Wait, so... Um- were you surprised where china is at today after you know 10 years later economy wise
1: no i mean they they were building they had they were under construction for all the olympic stuff for 2008 when i was there so like the stadium was under construction like the uh all the stuff that we saw during the olympics and the whole country was really like excited about it like we had a tour guide who was really young she was probably like Twenty-one, twenty-two, something like that. Like sure. a nice young girl spoke English fairly well, and she was like just super excited about the Olympics coming, and she couldn't wait. Um, and the one thing it was kind of funny—we she was with us there at Tiananmen Square, uh, and we're like, "Oh, so is this where all the protests and stuff happened?" Yeah. And this is what she, she's like: what, "What are you talking about protests? I don't, I don't know what you mean." Like she had no idea, and I realized that's. The one thing that was kind of kind of odd to me was the, she said no clue. Like, they didn't... She had no idea that a million people had been in that square protesting in
0: 1988, was it? 89. Think, 89? June and, 4th, <clears throat> 1989, if I remember. It's yeah. the same day Ayatollah Khomeini died.
1: Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah,
0: so I just kind of remember. and uh,
1: Yeah, because if I ever was seeing that on TV and I, I, uh you know, so we asked that, and then it was funny because then she pointed out the picture of Mao on the Forbidden City sure. on the wall, and it was interesting because she actually referred to him as our great leader. Like, that's the term they all use for the term of Mao, who was on the money. But uh, other than that, I mean, it didn't seem like anything odd. I mean, the people were, were nice, and we went out to a couple uh, nightclubs just to check them out, see what the nightlife was like, and people just had a good time. Like, they were all, they're just people. They just want to, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, the people of China were just the same as people here as far as I'm concerned in terms of what they were like, so.
0: I'm, I'm glad I, I'm, I'm a big supporter of people traveling overseas and yeah. it's and, and I think you know for you who did you say if you grew up in let's say um, Kansas City or mm-hmm. something yeah maybe you're not maybe you, you would have never been that adventurous because you're so used to being with other people yeah you
1: know? I mean I, I knew people In Pittsburgh, when I went to college there, that had grown up in Pittsburgh, that the farthest they have ever been from Pittsburgh was like Wheeling, West Virginia, which is like 50 miles away. Sure. And they bought houses in Pittsburgh when we got out of college, and I am sure they've probably not traveled outside of a 50 mile radius from Pittsburgh ever, ever since. And that's just like where they grew up, that's where they're going to die, that's where they're going to have their family, like, and. But, but I, I, think, think I think that's. I think some that's people more, are like that. I think, I think that's more of a Midwestern type of, type of thing.
0: I, I think you know, historically speaking, most people, you know, they that's, were. Moments, mean, that's but,
1: how that's how life used to be. I mean, yeah. you think before maybe two hundred years ago? Uh, I mean, like before the advent of the steam engine, right? I mean, most people were born and died in the same village, other than a few, you know, like pilgrims come over or whatever. But then most of the population growth is from all these people having kids you know and then you get immigrations coming in coming in a lot later but uh i mean uh, i think it's pretty common around the world I mean, around the world a lot of places just like you know i was born here and i'm gonna stay here and i'm gonna die here and that's just i think that's how really it goes I mean freedom uh, of movement is more of a, a a rather recent human phenomenon i would think
0: uh, that is correct, and I also think um, most of the humanity never had a permission to leave within where they were born. You know. Yeah,
1: I mean, throughout history, I mean, we've <laughs> the dominant societies has been pretty brutal throughout the history of the world.
0: So you grow up, and I, I think um, I, I don't want to portray people from South and Midwest. It just <laughs> you're just comfortable with it, with whatever you uh, grew up <laughs> in. Yeah. So. I could understand their war about you know We're
1: gonna get all the emails from people in Arkansas for saying that we're calling them rednecks, but it's Yeah, like, it's just send them to me. I don't mind. You can send me your email.
0: It just it's not that I don't I don't necessarily think just because they're against immigration that they're necessarily racist. I don't I mm-hmm. I think they're they're conservative. They're just not used to it.
1: I think there's a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think a lot of people who say, like, hey, let's let's deport all the Ill- illegal immigrants, right? There's roughly I think most estimates say between 10 and 12 million illegal immigrants in the country, right? If you're going to deport 10 million people, you need to probably multiply the court staff in our courthouses in this country by 20. You need 20 times the judges, 20 times the lawyers, 20 times the courts. Like, it's impractical under our current laws to deport that many people. So, what you need to do is figure out okay, we can't deport them all because it just It doesn't work. We don't have the manpower. Like, we would become a country where our dominant industry is deporting people. That's how big it would have to be to to make that happen. So then what you have to decide is what are we going to do knowing that most of these people are still going to be here? So how can we actually integrate them into society and make it so that way? Uh, they're more integrated into the economy, they pay more in taxes rather than having everything be under the table. Like, How do they become more integrated into what we do and have them become actual Americans instead of just people living in America and have have them become Americans? Yeah. And, and that's where a lot of these policies come into play.
0: And like I said, like I, I don't necessarily think people, if they're against immigration, they're bad people, it's just they're not used to it. Yeah. But I also want them to know that it's such a difficult thing just leave your another your country mm-hmm. to go another place. you know you don't speak the language it's It's a scary experience for yeah. them. They do it because most of the time it's, they're desperate um,
1: well think about uh a lot of people that are uh their children who were brought here as very young children yeah. there are a lot a lot of the immigrants that you know i think it's uh you're probably looking at at least hundreds of thousands if not millions of people who were brought here as very young children they were not born in the u.s and they're not citizens but they were brought here as very young children and they've never really known life anywhere else like you take somebody who's 20 who was brought here when he was two and what you're gonna send him back to el salvador like a country he knows nothing about like that has no recollection of like how how is he gonna exist there like it's just you know, it, it just seems impractical, a lot of the, the things that people say. About this is Everest. the same
0: thing that in Europe, mm-hmm. many of the Muslims who immigrate to places like Germany and France and yeah. Netherlands, and they thought it was temporary, but they ended mm-hmm. up living there for 10, 15, 20, yeah. 30 years. And their kids, in, they're in a really weird spot because they look like Muslims, they look mm-hmm. Middle Easterner, but yeah. when they go back to their ancestry homes, they, they, they like, have
1: nothing in common
0: they say like yeah you look like us but you're not one of us yeah it's like Italian Americans that they're Italian but people in Italy yeah. say like they, they, you're not, a, you're yeah, not you're Italian you're not Italian you yeah know? so and you know many of the problems with the Muslims that are having with Europeans in like Scandinavia and especially in places like Denmark and um, Netherlands you know their kids are like in a really tough spot because they're a Dutch citizen mm-hmm. let's say in Netherlands yeah but they don't look like them, you know? Yeah, but they what, look different. Because yeah.
1: in those countries, they're not as diverse, so they stand out a little bit more than... Yeah. If it was here, you know, we're used to seeing people from all kinds of backgrounds. Like, it doesn't... It's not odd to us to see somebody who's Middle Eastern standing next to somebody who's Asian, standing next to somebody who's South American, standing next to somebody who's the whitest person in the world. Like, it's... That's not unusual yeah. in Southern California.
0: And they don't care, how, if, even if it's difficult. You just have to... Assimilate. That's what it is, yeah. And we do that better than anywhere else in the whole world. I mean, I've been, I don't know, 43, 44 different countries. And I I have to say, anytime there's some horrible thing that happens in the States, Mm -hmm. yes, it does make news. But for me, my personally, 98% of the time, either people live you alone or they killed along with people who are different.
1: Yeah, I I think people around the world tend to, the people themselves are pretty much the same. We all just want to, like, live our life. We don't want any problems. We just want to, like, have things get better for the next generation that's and
0: if they don't like somebody they just don't talk to them you know yeah. I, I think it does work here um, unfortunately we did have incident in <laughs> yeah. Ferguson and we've had New problems
1: but you know I mean it's like the thing is the problems get magnified even more now although if you look at the numbers the the, the rate of these incidences happen happening is going down over time. Like, there is much less crime now than there was 40 years ago. There are far fewer police incidents of police brutality than there were even 20 years ago. There are far fewer incidents of you know, uh, oh, uh, you know, people attacking cops and cops attacking people, like all that stuff. The numbers are going down over time, in, but the it, outrage over it keeps going up and up and up. And like the publicity that these things get
0: is far greater now than ever especially was. Especially in Southern California, I'm old enough to remember how bad it was. You know. Oh, yeah, you were
1: here for the riots. I mean, you yeah. haven't been here very long when those happened in 92. Uh, and I was a senior in high school when that happened. So like I remember that vividly. Uh, but you know, they, they change they the up.
0: policing. There's mm-hmm. more communication between the police and minorities, and things are better. And you know, even with all the horrible yeah. things that we read every day in newspaper or uh, when you look at news yeah. and television, radio, and the internet, you can't dispute the number. Things are just better. Yeah. you can't argue what less people are dying from hunger, malaria, tuberculosis. You know, this is these are like, you know, when you look at the big picture. Yes. You you can't argue with it, you know. Yeah. But there's times. That's not to say that there aren't any problems. You don't
1: have the right to complain about yeah. whatever your problems are. It's just to say that our problems now are different than they would have been a hundred years ago. Because mm-hmm. a hundred years ago it would have been like, oh, are we going to live or are we going to die from polio? Yeah. You know, and it's like things get. And most better people all live the time. like
0: in the late 30s or 40s. You know. Yeah. Um. So things are better. Um. Yeah. Oh, going back, uh, I was in. Pittsburgh last mm-hmm. year Great town Love Incredibly Pittsburgh. underrated mm-hmm. It hurts me to say this Because I'm a Seahawks fan
1: uh-huh. And you're still angry About that Super Bowl <laughs> I,
0: and, But I, I can't blame them Because Blame Pittsburgh Because I would have done The same thing If it was yeah. an advantage And bad referee But I have to say Pittsburgh That town Is incredible Pe- there's,
1: Great city great The city. people are awesome uh, the, They have some really great Regional cuisine there Some food that's awesome there uh, but they also have the worst accent in America. <laughs> but other than that, they're awesome. I love Pittsburgh.
0: I don't have a good ears for because I, I, you know, when I go to Baltimore or Pittsburgh yeah. and uh, New York and Boston, I mean, I know they're a different. lot of like, Yeah, but Pittsburgh is
1: uh, Pittsburgh is kind of like a hybrid between what you hear in Boston, New York, and Minnesota, like mixed together. And it's just weird. It's a weird mix. It, but, okay, it's not the worst accent in America because Boston has to be the worst. But it's right up there. It's a bad accent. I'm sorry, Pittsburgh. Pittsburghers, it's... I'm sorry. Yens have a bad accent.
0: But wh- why Why did you uh, choose Colin Gamilla, which is one of the best colleges and universities um, in the country?
1: When I was in high school, after I took my PSATs, if you remember taking those, mm-hmm. then uh, I scored really well on those. And then I started getting, like, recruiting things from different colleges that were, like, Tech type schools, and then I took my SATs, did all really well of those, and I got more. And it just seemed like CMU was the place that wanted to be the most out of all the schools. You know, I, I could, if I could do it all over again, I probably would go to UCLA just because. Uh, uh, I hate the weather when it's cold. I, I the winter's there were brutal on me. Brutal. Because yeah. I had no idea what winter was really like growing up out here. So, like, if I could do it all over again, I would have gone to UCLA because it's also a good school. And I got in there, and I could have gone there and probably saved a lot of money. But uh, I don't regret my time in Pittsburgh at all. I mean, I love the town. I love the people, and it's a really good school, and uh, it's a great place. I mean... If you're studying uh, computer
0: science, they're number one in the country.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were always considered to be right up there with stanford mit caltech like they're one of those level schools for all the tech stuff and then for the arts um they're also very well known i mean you've got tons of famous alumnus that went there jack Klugman, blair underwood stephen bochco holly hunter went there ming na wen went there um i think she had just graduated when i was a freshman there um so like tons of people in the arts as well as in the tech side of things uh, came out of the school. So it's a, it's a very well-known school for a lot of different things. Um, and
0: it's a great city where every team has shared the same color. And yeah. And people feel very strongly about the town.
1: That's a very passionate sports town. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I mean, people in Pittsburgh really get into that stuff. I remember I was working a temp job uh, the year the Steelers went to the Super Bowl against the Cowboys when Neil O'Donnell ninety five was it it? Yeah. yeah. And I remember... Uh, it was Manpower Technical Services, which was a division of Manpower Temporary Services. Uh, and I remember I was working there in their office for them doing some stuff, because the internet was real brand new at the time. I built them a website. Which sure. was like 95, 96, or whatever. Uh, and... I remember they called up their Dallas office to, like, taunt them about the Super Bowl that was coming up. <laughs> they, they would crank call them, like, three times a day. They would call the Dallas office. And it was so funny because I think mean, they did it so much that the Dallas office had to, like, complain to the headquarters that they were doing it too much.
0: But Dallas ended up beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. 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 Um, so. Oh, no, it bad interceptions
1: from Neil O'Donnell. That was
0: brutal. <laughs> so you went to college, but you didn't specifically study IT engineering, right? I
1: studied mechanical engineering. Yeah. Uh, which, Is all related. I mean, uh, at the time, uh, we had to take some programming classes as part of that because a lot of engineering is, you know, writing programs to do different things. And then I I happened to be at CMU when the Internet was taking off. Uh, You know, I think the web was invented in, like, 89 or 90, but it didn't really become a big thing until about 94. And that's when, like, I was there at the heart of that, and that was one of the, the hotbeds of all that stuff going on. You know, that's where uh, Lycos, one of the first search engines, was there at CMU. I knew people working on the Lycos search engine at the time, which then wound up being bought by Alta Vista, which got bought by I Yahoo, I think. Those. Like one I of those. haven't heard
0: any of those insults. So, like,
1: all these ones, like, you know, it was one of the first ones out there. Um, and so, like... I knew a bunch of people that were computer engineering majors and computer science majors. And then I started building websites back then in like 95, I think it was the first one I ever built. And then I started doing it for money, like on the side while I was in school. And then afterwards I worked for an, uh, for a local ISP and I worked for a company where, uh, we're building websites for, uh, businesses, you know, like doing online banking and all kinds of stuff. Like, you know, we're very early on doing a lot of that stuff. And, uh, so, I just have been working internet technology since since then, like I was there at the right time, so you
0: didn't you you were basically working for yourself
1: uh, I worked for companies mostly back then, yeah, and uh, then I moved back to California in ninety eight It was december of ninety eight no december ninety seven I think is when I came back, so it was like january ninety eight I took a job out here in California, in Anaheim working for a company that was an e commerce company. And we were making uh, credit card processing software over the internet, yeah, so I learned all about like how all the transactions online happen and then uh, after that uh, worked for a small business consulting firm, working on technology issues for small businesses for a good eight or nine years. and then a couple years ago, uh, I basically went full-time freelance. I still work with the old companies, but uh, full-time freelance now doing this stuff.
0: All right so. Okay, maybe we should jump a little bit. I do have all these questions. So, in, in general, um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where to begin because mm-hmm.
1: let's talk hacking. You want to yeah, talk hacking? I
0: mean, how how would you explain that to someone who's you know? Okay. Because most people, when they say hackers, they see those goofy guys in movies and they yes. break it into just like that.
1: Yes, they think of Scorpion on TV or whatever yeah. that show is and all that stuff. Uh, the best hacker I ever knew was one of my roommates in college. And this guy... Well, exactly what is hacking, though? And and I'll use him as an example of what hacking is. Because hacking today is thought of as being uh, people who do malicious things, where they break into systems and things like that. And that is, the people who do that certainly are hackers. But the other side of hacking is that they're just people who are uh, finding solutions to problems on computers. Like, they're just finding ways to do things that have not been done before.
0: Okay.
1: and it really comes from people that were in what they used to call the freaking uh, community back in, starting in the 50s and 60s, where people found ways of, of uh, manipulating the phone system to allow them to make phone calls to each other and set up conference calls and stuff. And it was all based around tones. They could play on their phone. Yeah. Like they could go to a payphone and they had a whistle they could blow into and the payphone would let them call anywhere in the world for free by this tone because they figured out all the touch tones that you need to do. Once phones moved into the touch tone era, these people figured out how that worked. And they were the people that then later on wound up hacking early computer systems and figuring out how things worked and making them do what they wanted to do because you know, it's, it's, it's human nature to be curious about things. And these are people who are just very curious and very good at it and they found ways to make their computers do things that their computers previously did not do.
0: And I remember one of my friends, Shen, from late 80s, um, he, um, I don't know what he did, but he, whenever I needed to call, make a phone call in Japan, he would go to the public phone he did something to mm-hmm. it where I ended up calling them for free, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, he probably, I mean, that's a, an old phone freak uh, uh, MO where there was, I mean, part of the, the reason, uh, one of the biggest hacker communities today is a website called 2600.com. Uh, or it might be .org. I forget what it is. I haven't been on that. Like the Hurry Twenty Six Hundred. Except it's called Twenty Six Hundred because it's Twenty Six Hundred Hertz is what that's uh. known for. The frequency Twenty Six Hundred Hertz was the frequency that would allow you access into a lot of these phone systems, and that's why they became known as Twenty Six Hundred. And uh, one of the big things is there was a Cracker Jack box that came with a whistle in it and that whistle happened to be 2600 hertz so people buy these boxes of Cracker Jacks get this whistle out and all of a sudden they had this whistle they could blow into their phone and then by doing a few other things they could make it so they could call (laughs) anywhere in the world uh... doing all kinds of tricks like it was like like the gateway for a lot of people and then uh... the serial company essentially distributed things they were able to use to hack into phone systems without even knowing it like it was all sort of very underground like you know small ads in the back of uh back of some kind of tech magazine and people would write in and trade letters and sure. learn things and then they had these uh, I've read a couple of books about like the history of, of hacking and how that stuff happened and uh, they would have like these ongoing conference calls that people would just call into and drop off of and the call would last for like six months like the phone call like it would there would always be at least one person on for like this entire time people would call in and drop off and you could talk to hackers from all over the world and like you know learn it was before People were on the internet. The internet was in its early stages being invented at the time, but it wasn't being used for communication like that at all.
0: So, uh, in general, what what is your impression of the whole Sony hacking? Okay, when you look at what actually and happened, how, and, and, and uh, sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. um, the U.S. government saying they're North Korean. How do you find out who they want? How do you?
1: When the the news of the hack first broke in late November. Yeah. uh, And there was an initial dump of data in early December, which was incredibly harmful to a lot of people and I'm not talking about the stuff where they were like oh it's people's emails back and forth that to me is minor this was
0: like Amy Pascal who is the head of the Sony or yeah. one of the figurehead, and she's saying all kinds of things about people that, that
1: came out a couple weeks after this yeah. but I'm talking about the initial dump was stuff that uh, basically any Sony employee could be subject to identity theft based on what was released. It was social security numbers, That's it was right, healthcare driver's records, ad- address, driver's license, address. how much it they were making, their salary stuff, and it was for like tens if not hundreds of thousands of employees. Like, it was a, a treasure trove for people in Eastern Europe that use these things to like create new identities and run scams. and And that, to me, is really... Uh, a bad thing when when innocent people like that who did nothing wrong they just work for a company. Um,
0: so, what's what's their thinking? Put yourself in their shoes. Like, what they're just simply angry at Sony. Uh, okay, well, oh, you know, if, sometimes you have a riot. like they they're unnecessary, not uh, against the cops and Ferguson. they're yeah, just looking for situation to cause problems.
1: Uh, uh, that initial data dump came out with all that stuff, right? Um, the people who did it, and I choose to believe. That they are North Korean. I think that makes the most sense to me out of uh, everything that we've read, and uh, I've read a few things on some like tech blogs and stuff where they talked about, you know, how the FBI goes about trying to track down who might have actually done this in Sony's tech logs, and it seems like the traffic came from that region in the world. So, you know? so
0: you, so you do think it's the North Koreans that are?
1: I think they did the hacking and stole the data. Okay. Yes, and I think people Is that related an to them. Easy thing to do? No, well. Yes and no. I mean, apparent from what I've been reading with Sony's probably wasn't nearly as hard as it should have been, uh, because the next dump that came out a couple days after that was probably technically more harmful, and that was a huge dump of passwords and tech data about Sony's network and like individual passwords for all kinds of stuff, like financial things, uh, communication things, all this kind of stuff. and that came out with you know passwords that and that really showed just how poor the network security policies of Sony had been at that point. Like, it was like, Sony, you're a huge company. I don't understand Get your head out your ass. Like, why don't you have somebody really managing it? The problem with Sony was that they're, uh, I don't know if it's their... CTO or VP of whatever, like whoever was in charge of their technology division was promoted into that position, but he's not from a technology background. Like he oh. came from the business side of things and they had a spot open and I think they wanted to keep this guy instead of losing him to some other company. So they promoted him into a higher position so they could pay him more money, but they put him over a division that he doesn't understand. And, I think that really impacted the ability of the tech people there at Sony to set things up properly. Uh, either that or it's just gross incompetence on their part to to allow themselves to have the kind of holes that they did because it sounds like it really wasn't as difficult as it, as it should have been for a lot of this stuff. Then the real salacious data started coming out about like all the email leaks and all that kind of stuff where people were reveling in all those data. They're like, oh, this is so funny. You know, let's laugh at all the stuff that went out.
0: I mean, um, I think I, I think week before, maybe a week after that, um, uh, those hacking things was released. But I, it was around the same time when Chris Rocks was talking about the racial races, problem in the home. racial yeah. problems oh yeah. Y- you know, you have those feelings that somebody's being uh, prejudiced against you whatnot. But... You know,
1: Yoshi, are you saying you suspect Chris Rock hacking into Sony? Is that thing? No.
0: <laughs> but it, 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 let's be honest; that no one used words like niggers and things like that. You know, no. or gooks or chinks. Racial slurs
1: were not included, but no. they were saying things that kind of
0: confirmed people who are minorities. Okay, here's
1: something I'll say as a white person growing up in Southern California. When I grew up out here, uh, other white people I meet in the area, we just talked normally, right? Yeah. When I went back to live around a lot of white people that's the first time I ever really started hearing those things from other yeah. white people about about uh, minorities for real.
0: Yeah,
1: Like you know growing up you throw terms around because you're joking around with your friends. Whenever sure. I have friends we still use the same kind of stuff. Well I mean if, if you saw some of the emails I turned my friends uh, I would probably be way worse than anything any Amy Pascal ever wrote except there's a level of understanding that I have with these people right yeah. so it doesn't mean anything. And but, also
0: here's another thing mm-hmm. I have to add she is in position of power. Yes. So if she has these ideas, it could hurt you. But if it's yeah. some, you know, redneck or some, uh, you know, pardon, but I do have people like that in my yeah. family. But they're, there they're, are, they're like yellow trash. You have all these yeah. ter- They have terrible things to say about yeah. white and Latino and whatnot, you know. There are but they don't have power.
1: Yeah, there are definitely, uh, uh, I don't want to say code words, because yeah. that's not really the right term. But there are ways that white people talk about minorities that I learned. When I became an adult, like, when I moved somewhere living around white people, I learned there are things that white people say where, like, I know when they're telling me something that's racist, even if they're not saying it in a racist way. Yeah. Like, I know when they're saying it to be racist. Like, I can tell. And it's probably things that you, being Japanese and Korean, uh, you don't even get to hear because, like, it'll be things that they're saying to other white people about you. Like, they're not going to tell it to you, but they'll tell it to me being there and that's one thing that I've learned In that as I've been older as an adult like you meet people that it, like you don't know from growing up and I'll have people tell me the most racist things just assuming they can because I'm like the whitest person ever and it's like it's really uncomfortable like I hear these things and I'm just like uh, I, 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 uh,
0: to be fair yeah. I, I do think there are some uh, racist white people but they're at least self-aware races mm-hmm. whereas you go Asia <laughs> they're saying some horrible horrible, oh, horrible things racist, I'm horrible, sure, yeah. but yeah. they don't know that they're being racist that's I don't, I don't know what's worse do they think
1: that's just like the truth they're just
0: like oh naturally white people do this or so naturally yeah. blacks <laughs> do that you know and but um, I give United States credit because at mm-hmm. least we we tend we, to be a little more self aware of it. I, yeah, because we have no choice. We have so many different kinds of yeah. people.
1: I think we at least try. Yeah, and that's there's something to be said for trying.
0: <laughs> but I have friends in Japan saying like, "No, we're not racist." The, the reason I understand what what they're saying, they're yeah. basically saying because they don't have other minorities. Yeah, they don't have a opportunity. Yeah, to Yeah, they be racist. can't actually like keep them down. You know. Yeah, because they don't have a chance. But I, I tell them like. Given an opportunity, I think you would. Yeah, that's just that's the human nature. You know, whoever is the majority are insensitive. You know, Um, you know, I'm definitely not sensitive about. I don't care people say stuff about Asian because I say racist stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, but 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 others they're they're sensitive because it's
1: really true that, that people think of their own group and they'll think of the groups of whoever the people they that they know are. But then anybody that's sort of outside those two things then they're going to view their complaints as being less valid. Yeah. Like I knew a girl who was very into like talking about how she's a feminist and she's into social justice and all these things. And she would never dream of using the N word or saying, you know, she's always very using all the PC language you could use about Latinos, uh, you know, saying, you know, Hispanics, she'd never say, you know, Mexicans or whatever. She'd say, Oh, Latinos or Hispanics, whatever, you know, Mexicans, Mexicans don't care if you call them Mexicans. They're quite happy to be called Mexicans. Right. Uh, she wouldn't even call black people black. She'd be like African-Americans, yeah. right? All the terms. But then she was talking about, oh, and then there was a midget over there. And I'm like, well, you know, little people find that to be an offensive term. Sure. And she's like, oh, that's not a real thing. I can call them midgets. Yeah. Like, because she didn't know anyone. And it's like if, if people aren't confronted with these things all the time for some reason, they're just like, oh, well, their concerns don't actually matter yeah. because I don't have to deal with the consequences of it
0: yeah so, so so there was a, a lot of it, but now yeah. now that um see I was supposed to go see the premiere of uh, the interview yeah you're going to go and they got last, canceled they canceled like a couple hours before, and my friend Chris Gore, who got me the the i b passes this, this, it cancelled so i mean what okay what get back into the get back into the hockey.
1: so all that stuff came out, and I think that was all. Uh, based on the evidence that I've read and, and uh, you know, what the FBI has come out and said. And, and I think most tech people tend to believe that uh, North Korea was involved in some way, some hacking group in North Korea, whether it was government-sponsored or not, which I tend to believe it probably was because it's North Korea and from everything we know about North is it, Korea. Is it
0: possible that they got help from maybe Chinese, Russians, or other Eastern European countries? Possible.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's possible. But again, the thing is, we don't, we don't know and we'll probably never know.
0: That's it, why, why is that like like even during the Jennifer Lawrence's hacking mm-hmm. pictures, people told me the chances of you actually finding people who actually did is very uh, okay. unlikely. Because when you do something
1: uh, online that you don't want to have traced, there are ways of doing it so that people can't find where you are. Like normally, if I use my computer here, yeah. there's an IP address that's associated with me. It's a unique address that's yeah. associated with me. And anything I do online, if somebody were to really want to, they could find out that I'm the one who did it. Sure, but if I were to go through a network of proxy servers, which would hap- what would mean is that I would bounce my traffic off of a server, let's say, in Canada, and i bounce it off a server all of a sudden in South Africa, and then through a server in Eastern Europe, and then through a server in Russia, and then through a server in China, and then through a server in South America, and then through a server somewhere else. Like, to make all those traces back becomes very difficult.
0: That kind of reminds me that uh, porn history in the uh, late sixties and seventies mm-hmm. where these guys would drive to one house, park yeah. the car, go mm-hmm. into the house, jump from the back door, jump to another car, yeah. to another building, over and over over until they lose FBI following yeah. them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like you, you sort of set up this trail so that way so then you're saying, okay, I know that the traffic that came in to do the actual hack is from some server in Romania, right? Yeah. So you tra- trace it back to that server in Romania. Then you have to try to find the logs that server in Romania to say, oh, and this came from Estonia. Then you go to the one in Estonia. Oh, this came from Japan. Oh, this came from South Africa. Oh, this came from. And you got to go through all these traces back to try to find it. And it's they're probably never going to find the the individuals who did it just based on this. But there is enough where they can sense, like, traffic patterns. There's other ways of, like, finding out where where things are going on that are, you know, the high-level technical stuff that I don't even really understand. And I know that the, it's this out is there. The
0: per- that's, the, that's the part that someone who's not technical, like myself, mm-hmm. frightening because they could literally, like, ruin your life because, you know, let's, let's be honest, like, who's not a prejudice or sexist or terrible, you know? I mean, the only difference is they didn't hack into my e- emails yeah. and caught me saying something horrible. So... At
1: least... If to sees you saying something horrible, just go to your show and videotape yeah, you and there's to something my show horrible. Yeah. Or uh,
0: just talk <laughs> to me for a few But, yeah. you know, um, of course, I'm minorities, like, I don't care, so that it doesn't affect me. But to think, like, if somebody hacked into my computer, I'm hoping, like, at least they have a chance to be punished. And mm-hmm. it doesn't seem that's the case. That seems like well, a lot of power on the hackers. They, they
1: were kind of punished today because... Uh, the entire internet was cut off line to North Korea this afternoon. I don't know if you heard about that. No. We were out today, but uh, their entire internet was shut down through, uh, essentially, most likely through retaliation from other hackers that are more on the free speech side of things than sure. on the let's not show this movie side of things. Because uh, that's one thing that, that goes out there is that hackers, hacking, hacking groups uh, can do all kinds of things. And they can use those things for good, and they can use those things for bad. And I think issuing threats and uh, trying to get a movie to be not released is bad. And now these people basically, us effectively, I think they're they're they believe that there's a denial of uh, denial of service attack going on against North Korea, so they can't get on the internet. Although it's so heavily filtered, the people of North Korea will never even know that they're out on the internet. But uh, certainly for parts of North Korea that are on the internet, uh, they have no access right now. But,
0: but let me ask you, like, what's your personal feeling about the whole Sony hacking? Okay, so
1: after all this comes down, uh, well, after the, the leak with all the salacious stuff with Amy Pascal yeah. emails, all the stuff came out, then all the threats about, uh, then threats came out. Like, if you show this movie, we're going to bomb your theaters or whatever, yeah. have 9-11 attacks, right? And that, the communications that came out as part of those threats didn't have the same tone to them the, all the communications the leaks had yeah so i tend to think that that was maybe just somebody trolling taking advantage of the situation to throw a little you know have a little fun yeah but to but, say to these theater chains because the theater chains aren't going to know and i think that might not have been north korea that did that uh that issued those threats then they pulled the movie And now the whole thing blows up. I think North Korea probably is involved in the original hacking. I don't know if North Korea is involved, and I don't think they're probably the ones involved in issuing those threats to the theaters. Now, I have no proof of anything, and I don't know anything. But this is your gut feeling. That's my gut feeling because it doesn't, it just doesn't sound like it makes any sense to me that they would actually bother to do
0: that, to make those kinds of threats. But what's your personal feeling? What what do you think about the whole thing in general?
1: Uh, Okay. Hacking is a tool. So hacking can be used for good. It can be used for bad. Uh, In general, I think when you break into somebody's systems and you steal their data, it's bad. Um, Even if they're bad people. Yeah. Uh, So like, and that's one thing that kind of bugs me about all this. Like, you know, when... The, the nude photo leak came out with all the celebrity photos, right? Everybody condemned it. And they're all saying, this is terrible. All the media was like, this is awful. This is terrible. You shouldn't uh, take hack data and distribute it on Reddit. I mean, and,
0: okay. I, I, so, like, the media... I guess I get, it is terrible, but I'm not going to lie. I did look at them. Yeah.
1: So, the media in general, like, the, ma- the mainstream media was totally opposed to hacking at that point. Right. Then, two months later, hacking comes out that steals a bunch of data from Sony... And then all of a sudden, this is information that uh, they can run on their website and get them a lot of page views and get them a lot of clicks and get them a lot of uh, readers and viewers on TV and stuff. So and all so of a sudden, the mainstream media is distributing the content of this hack. The very same thing that they were pissed off at people on Reddit and people on Imager and people yeah. on 4chan and 8chan for doing two months earlier. They're doing the same exact thing, and they're distributing all this information. And now they're saying, "Oh, well, it's because they're they're a racist, so it's okay if I do this." Well, give, let me let me. Give you I don't an think it's okay to do that. Uh, give me an example.
0: I think it's safe to say you and I—we're not pro rape people.
1: No. no, I think uh, yeah. I think it's pretty safe to say yeah. I'm not.
0: But if, if it was some guys getting raped in prison, like uh, like uh, Bernie Madoff of the world mm-hmm. getting raped, then we think it's haha. You know, it's just. We're,
1: I still don't think it's haha. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm still against oh, rape, yeah. even on when it's guys in prison. <laughs> even if Charles Manson is getting raped in prison, I think it's wrong. But. Uh, so, like, with with the
0: hacking, but but, but I guess my mm-hmm. ridiculous example was yeah. people are selective when. Oh yeah, they're people outraged. in
1: general, like you hear people where they'll say like, "Oh, I hope the pedophiles get raped in prison," like, for example, right? Yeah. And I, I I personally don't, but uh, I know a lot of people that think that. So they do have this sort of moral relativism where it's like based on who the victim is, that's how they decide if something is wrong to do or not. And I tend to think, look, if it's wrong to do for this group over here, it's also wrong to do for this group over here, uh, because the Action is wrong rather than uh, just the victim being wrong, you know what I mean? Because just because the people at Sony were a-holes doesn't mean that they deserve to be hacked. I don't think that's fair to anyone.
0: Wait, let me pause for a second. I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> All right, we're back <laughs> <Okay>. um, <clears throat> after the bathroom break for Yoshi. So uh, I do have a mixed feeling yeah. because. Um, that's what you're saying. is pretty sounds pretty reasonable because what I've been reading, it sounds like they were saying North Korea. I was shocked because I thought mm-hmm. it was a joke for a long time. When you first I didn't, heard about it, I didn't, think, I didn't think they had a technical. It, it sounded
1: like to a movie that. plot when you first hear yeah. about it, right? And uh, but the thing is, like like you mentioned, like you're saying, you don't think they had technical ability to do that. And from everything I've read in the tech press about what actually happened to Sony and how it actually went down, it, it sounds like they didn't really need that much tech tech experience to do it because like Sony's network was just a mess. It was pathetic. I mean, Sony has had hacking problems in the past. Their PS network, their, their PlayStation network was down for like six weeks a couple of years ago because
0: uh, I don't, they pissed I off don't, some I don't hacking
1: groups I don't that understand. took it down.
0: I don't understand why... I just it just boggles my mind. It's Sony. So
1: yeah, because you think of Sony as a tech company, right? That's how you think of them. Like,
0: but you're right. I I also think they're mostly hardware business, aren't they?
1: Yeah, now? I mean, you know, they they've been known for electronics for a long yeah. time, and they make computers. They've had computers for a long time, and you would expect them to have better systems. But uh, sometimes these companies are a mess. I don't know. It's
0: it's almost like to me, even though what little I understand very little of it, it's almost like. You went to a nuclear plant, and you have Bart Simpson, Homer Simpson kind of doing yeah. <laughs> a protection. And He's
1: their director of safety. It's like Homer Simpson's working there, yeah. but uh, uh, and, and I want to say, uh, just for anybody technical that's listening, I'm obviously oversimplifying a lot of things, and there's probably a lot of things I'm getting wrong. So uh, you can email me to tell me what all of them are if you want, but uh, I really don't care. It's fine. I, I'm just talking in generalities. So.
0: But, <laughs> but what's interesting that if it was North Korea and other scumbags mm-hmm. got into this action... Yeah. And they're doing all these terrible things. I'm trying to figure out what's, what's that um, unintended consequence because maybe, maybe there's something good might happen, you know, because... Mm-hmm. I think minorities, I don't feel this way because I grew up in Japan and I grew mm-hmm. up so much uh, TV and movies with the Asian people that I don't feel like, <laughs> like a member of an inferior group because you mm-hmm. don't see yourself. Like, yeah. The minorities born and raised in America feel, they're sensitive to that, right? Some of them, yeah. Yeah. Certainly. So I think Sony Sony perhaps made a mistake. You know, you 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 have uh, Amy Pascal talking about mm-hmm. it, and uh, I forgot that. Who's I that? forget the other guy's name. Yeah, he's the gay Jewish, uh, huge producer yes. in the business. And uh, um, may, maybe because of this embar- embarrassment, and people are more aware of what they were saying, that perhaps maybe there will be opportunity for minority to get. Here, let's say
1: the biggest beneficiaries of this are going to be Seth Rogen and James Franco? You think so? Because. This movie is going to come out. you think it will come I, out? I, I think this is going to blow over and then it'll come out like in the spring or summer, like they're going to release it, and it's going to do huge business, business. when it might have done mediocre business otherwise, but I think it's going to do huge business with all this like so much awareness of it when it finally comes out sure it's going to be huge. Um, and, like, I wasn't going to see because, to me, it, it's not the kind of movie I like. It looks stupid. I don't like, you know, stoner comedies, and that's basically... It just looks like another stoner comedy from Seth Rogen and James Franco. I'm like, okay, I don't care, right? But, uh so I think they come off looking really good because now people are, like, they're thinking about these two. The next projects those guys do, people are going to be like, you know, they're going to pay more attention to it because then all their interview questions are going to be asked about all this sure. kind of stuff. There's going to be all kinds of stuff
0: that they're going to do. They're be- not really saying anything right now.
1: Yeah. So... Uh, I think they're going to come off looking pretty good. Uh, I think the movie will do well eventually whenever it does
0: come out. Uh, I, I hope you're right because I i don't know if I want to say that we're a friend, mm-hmm. uh, but I've done shows with Randall Park who plays Kim Jong-un, mm-hmm. and I feel bad Yeah, for he him. was like going to be
1: his breakout role.
0: Yeah, because yeah. he's in VEAP on the HBO, but everyone knows James Franco and Seth Rogen. Yeah, this know?
1: is like a big step up for him. Yeah, and he's a he's nice done.
0: guy, very talented guy. Mm-hmm. He gained like 20, 25 pounds or something. he had to have that terrible hairstyle for like a year. So I I feel bad like, fuck, he does all this stuff. And now this crazy, bizarre incident where it's not going to be released. And I'm very happy to hear that because... And I I think
1: ultimately, I think it's going to turn out to be even better for his career than if the movie had just come out. Uh, Because I think he's going to wind up getting a lot of press when this uh as this goes on and then if the movie does come out someday he's gonna get to do probably a ton more press than he would have uh, otherwise because people are gonna want to know like oh were you scared playing kim jong-un were you scared they're gonna try to pro- pro- providing the north Korean your family, whatever, you know? yeah yeah provided he's still alive <laughs> for that pro- provided isis hasn't wiped out the u.s by then you know uh
0: so was there any other situation where hacking was a good thing and help people like that K- uh, Snowden, he wasn't hacking. Okay, sure. He and just downloaded information, Snowden right? just
1: downloaded stuff and then released So them. he didn't hack. Same like thing it. with uh, uh, Bradley like, Manning, who's now Chelsea Manning.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, same thing, he just downloaded information. Uh, so that's not considered hacking? Not really. No, no. I mean, that's just downloading stuff they already had access to. Hacking is more getting into something uh, that you're not really supposed to, yeah. um, like there have been situations where hacking has led to people finding huge security holes and, and closing them, yeah. I mean a lot of the ethical hacking that goes on is people would find, like let's That's
0: say funny. that sounds funny, ethical hacking
1: yeah, I mean sort of like the, the white hat versus black hat yeah. hacking um, you know like the, the so called ethical hackers or white hat hackers, if, if, if this incident had been done by them, what they would have done they would have hacked it. Yeah. They would have found all this information was available. They would have notified Sony, and they would have worked with Sony to help them fix the problem, and get it patched.
0: Okay. Oh, oh, okay. And that goes on I, all I, the time, I, I, and I, we I, don't hear about I, it. I, I've I've heard stuff like that where some cable breaking the Bank of America saying, look. I was able to do this. Look, I could I could mm-hmm. I could have stole it. Yeah. So you hire me, I will prevent from happening. How. It, it kind of makes me laugh because it's almost like you own a grocery store or something, you're walking out of the middle mm-hmm. of the night, and the guy said, look, I almost could have beat you over the head and robbed you, yeah. but if you hire... Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's it's I know uh, In the uh, tech uh,
1: world, it's a little different. It's, it's a very accepted practice. It's yeah. a practice
0: that they appreciate. It's um, not the ex- exact same thing, but it makes me laugh like... I could have robbed you, Yeah. <laughs> so hire me. <laughs> Another know. way it happens is there
1: are actually security firms that are basically hacking firms where a company like Sony will go to them proactively and say, Hey, try to hack into our system and tell us what vulnerabilities you find and let's get them fixed. Then you hire a company to try to hack into your systems and try to make it so that they can get in and see what they can find and see what holes they can right. plug. And then they try to patch all that stuff up. And... Uh, there's companies where that's their entire business models. That's what they do. They they hack into stuff for people, and they tell them what they find and how it worked and all that stuff, and then they, they go for it. Okay, so, so let
0: me ask you this. If if Sony made you the director of anti-hacking for Sony, mm-hmm. what what would uh, some of the… What would I do differently? What, I mean, what would you recommend now?
1: Okay, well, now, here's the problem. Uh, rule number one, when you've had a system that's been hacked, assume that everything is vulnerable and continues to be vulnerable today. So, your entire system, you have to consider that there are back doors into everything you have now. Yeah. I would, what I would personally do with Sony. Yeah. It's going to be expensive. I would fucking burn that system to the ground. Like... Everything they've got now, consider it to be tainted and build something from the ground up. A whole new network from scratch that you can verify everything is completely clean. Sure. Uh, I think you need to scrub every single PC in that entire organization for malware, for viruses, all that kind of stuff, for Trojan Horses. I think you need to have uh, an actual intranet that's actually protected. I think they need to have some kind of communication network that does not go over the public internet at all. Um, Again, all these things I'm proposing are for a company that size incredibly expensive. But can I hear of what something? they have to do? But I think it would make a lot of sense for the But can to do I tell it.
0: something? It's expensive, but it'll be it will be more expensive if you don't do it.
1: Yeah. I mean like if you're
0: Can you imagine if they do this shit again three like years from let's now? let's say you're Paramount yeah. right now.
1: Another huge movie company, entertainment company, right? They, they better be, they, they, they they better they, be doing they, all this stuff that I'm talking about right now. Like they better be examining their systems. They better be hiring if they haven't already hired a hacking firm to try to hack into their system and tell them where they got vulnerabilities, then they're being run by idiots. If Universal hasn't done that, if Time Warner, if NBC, like all the big entertainment companies, like you better be doing this right now because there there will be come will be hackers who see the big stir that this made. Uh, a lot of hackers just enjoy the press over their hacks, like
0: that to them. But, but, oh wait, wait, hold Is payment on, enough? Wait, wait. So, can you? Can you? I give really okay. You know, in in art world, people will steal this expensive millions of dollars of painting, mm-hmm. right? But the whole point of having those expensive art, like you could show to people that you mm-hmm. have it, so <laughs> they will steal it. But no yes. one, no one knows, right? Yeah. So. I guess when you're a hacker, they have uh, some kind of stage name and whatnot, right? But they don't really know the exact person that you're doing uh, it, right?
1: People will know you by your name. Like, you know, let's say your screen name is Purple Donut, right? Yeah. Then when it comes out, they'll know that it's Purple Donut or whatever. You know what I mean? Like like you pick a screen name as your online identity and they don't have to know who you are in real life. Yeah. But they have respect for Purple Donut. They know Purple Donut's a good guy uh, or what he's capable of. And a lot of the stuff goes on that way, and a lot of this kind of stuff, um, a lot of things that get traded online, and a lot of the hack data really goes on this stuff called the dark web. Which oh most yeah, what people is that? Okay, there is a section of the internet. Like when you go on the internet,
0: don't tell me website in Africa.
1: No, 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 no. When you go on the internet, uh, it's websites where the background's black and the text is white instead of being white with black text. That's, no, it's not that. <laughs> no, it's, how'd you go for it? No, so when you go on the internet, like you use a web browser yeah. and it pulls up web pages and uses these different protocols that are built around um, transmitting information for a web browser. Yeah, There's a different set of protocols and there's a different set of ports that things use and a different way that things are encoded that you have to use a special browser Browser that's called uh, a Tor browser or the Onion browser, and it goes on this thing called the dark web. So there are parts of the Internet that you can't access just using Chrome or Firefox or Internet Explorer, right? But if you download a special program and you know a few codes to put in, you can then get access to these other websites that are functioning that you can't access from regular web browsers. Well, how so, does one find that? Is it easy? Uh, it's not hard, I wouldn't say, but you have to know where to look. Like, if you look in tech forums and yeah. you look, like, if you go on Reddit and you looked around enough, you'd find all the stuff you need to find. If you go on 4chan, you'd find all the stuff you need to find. Like, if you go on websites like that, you'll find what you need to know. Um, and you download the right programs and then you can get on these things and then, again, when you do all this stuff, typically, you're going through a bunch of proxies. Everything's very anonymous right. on those sites. Like, it's not the same as going over the regular web where they can say, oh, you're at IP 123456. Like. You're some anonymous visitor. And that's where a lot of, like, the online drug trade, online weapon sales, uh, you know, oh, the Bitcoin community has been very big with that because Bitcoin is used as a as a currency and all those things because, it's, again, it's very anonymous yeah. with all that stuff. Um uh, that's where you might have heard of this thing called the Silk Road that got busted a while ago. And that was like this big underground website where it was on the dark web where people were selling you could buy openly. They were like, you want to buy heroin? I'll sell you heroin. You want to buy uh, guns? I'll sell you guns. You how, buy much whatever. You,
0: how much do you think this is like society have uh, obligation, and concern about people doing something questionable versus government want to get piece of action. They want to monitor people and they want to control people.
1: Okay. Uh Well, I think the government has a responsibility... To protect the welfare of its citizens, right? I think that's
0: probably yeah.
1: our number one thing of having a government. The reason we have a government is to protect
0: our general wel- welfare, you know. We're uh, willing to give up a certain amount of freedom in, in exchange. We will give you power Yeah, you know, we're
1: keep. willing to give it the freedom to just drive wherever we want, yeah. to have red lights so we're not crashing into each other, right? right? Simple example. So, uh, in some ways, I think there are some things that uh, we give up the right to. Now, anybody that's engaging these things on the dark web does not deserve to be investigated or researched just because they're looking at websites that might be questionable.
0: Right. Um, I agree. If somebody... But let's say I go in and look for a specific kind of machine gun. Uh, <laughs> again, depending on where you
1: live, that may or may not be legal. I don't know about the, the laws and wherever you live. But if you're doing that in an area, uh, I, think the, I think you need to wait for somebody to actually commit a crime before you send the government in to try to do stuff. And if the government wants to have their own people monitoring this kind of stuff, sure. uh, I know that really upsets a lot of people in the hacking community that they're being monitored in some way. And to some extent, it bothers me. Uh, you know, I, I am a member of the ACLU. It does bother me when the government intrudes on, on personal yeah. privacy and things like that. Uh, but uh, I really think the way that those systems are set up that the government can't really uh, track a lot of what goes on The way that they want you to think they can. Uh, You know, all these people have conspiracy theories about the government a lot of times. You know, they're always like, the government's doing this, or I've heard conspiracy theories about this hacking incident that really it was the CIA that did it to make it so we can bomb North Korea, or like people have all these theories about what went on. And, uh, The people who have these theories—that
0: kind of shit—giving me headache.
1: The people who have these theories, like this or nine eleven being an inside job, all that stuff, right? I'm like, you give way too much credit to the U.S. government. Like, have you been to the DMV? Have you seen how it works? Like, have you seen the people who work for the government? Like, they're just bureaucrats. Like, there might be some people somewhere involved that have extreme. Uh, intelligence and ability to do a lot of things but whenever you're talking about a government conspiracy about stuff i just don't think that they have the people to pull it off like they they need to involve too many people and at that point you have at least one person who's incompetent and then all of a sudden everybody's gonna know
0: we're not saying um, some of the conspiracy theories not true but sheer number of them... Every- I'm saying that uh, almost none of them
1: are true. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you can email me. I'm sure some of you will be like, nine eleven 11 was an inside job. And you'll send me all your yeah. architects and engineers, Nine Eleven for truth, all that bullshit. Uh, and I, I think it's all been debunked. So, uh. <laughs> I, I, I'm probably <laughs> more of a statist than most people uh, that... Uh, that share my views on personal freedom so I'm probably a little more of a statist than they you, are have
0: you followed what the whole um, Jennifer Lawrence and other actresses new pictures are like what's the yeah. thinking behind it they were just trying to humiliate those girls
1: no I think it's a bunch of guys who had a bunch of hot naked pictures and they wanted other people to see them uh, <laughs> I don't think there was any humiliation I don't think there was any blackmail that went on um it, it, just, it, it, it just blew up bigger because the names were bigger. And it blew up to be bigger than it, than uh, they probably even initially thought it was going to be. Um, and and I... I think the people who came out looking best from that are the women who were victims of that situation. I think everybody looks at them and they, they feel bad for them. I think people look at Jennifer Lawrence and they don't feel any different about her. I don't think they look at her any worse, certainly. Mm-hmm. I think, if anything, they're like, oh, that poor girl. She had something bad happen to her. You know, and... Uh, I don't think it's going to affect her career negatively in any way. If anything, it'll probably help her in, in the grand scheme of things. Not to say that I don't think she's happy about it, but here's what I'd say. I'm, again, astonished that these people have a lot of money available to them. These people make millions and millions of dollars a year, and they never bothered to hire like a tech guy to set up their stuff so that when they do some of these things, it doesn't just go somewhere where it's easy to be hacked. I mean, again, it wouldn't be that hard... Uh, here's what I say it's very hard to make it so that it's impossible to hack your data right but it's not very hard to make it very difficult to hack your data and make it so difficult that it's not worth the time because if somebody really wants your stuff, they could sp- if they have enough time and money, they will get your stuff i don 't care what you do right if somebody really wanted to hack your computer, Yoshi, they will find a way to hack your computer oh, I'm sure right yeah. it, but you could take some very simple steps to make it more difficult for them to where the level of effort they need to take outweighs the benefit. I see. And that's what a lot of these celebrities just never did. They didn't take those steps to make, I mean, they have stuff going up to the public cloud that's naked pictures of themselves. That's crazy to me. Like, why would you ever
0: well, have I mean, that happen? I, I, don't, I don't think they're idiots. They just didn't know that that easily And accessible. that's why
1: if you're a celebrity, call a tech guy. Call me. I will find somebody who can secure your phone and get you set up so that... I mean, look. You look at, say, uh, the phone system that Barack Obama uses, right? Yeah. He doesn't have a phone where stuff goes up on the Internet, stuff like that. Of course not. They've got things in place to keep that from happening because there's sensitive data going on on there, right? You know, people have... We have the technology to stop this stuff. Wait, wait,
0: wait. wait. But um, I have to say, they did hack uh, uh, Mm. uh, Prime Minister Merkel in Germany. Yes. I I was surprised because I don't know they're German you expect them to be more efficient expect, yeah and <laughs> yeah but we were hacking her phones I mean it was shocking the NSA was tapping on all this stuff yeah it, it was shocking how many people were now, hacking her Now when
1: they were doing that they weren't hacking her phone in the same sense that uh like say
0: did they have access to her okay. voice
1: message e- not, not in the same way. Like when you look at uh, what happened with like News of the World in London when they were hacking celebrities' phones, all that kind of stuff. Right, they were you hacking to be owned their by phones, murder, Right, yeah. yeah, they were hacking phones. Like they were getting into voicemails and phone, like the actual phone, uh, and that phone account. What the NSA has been doing is grabbing data after it's left that left that phone and it goes up to the internet, yeah, uh, and it goes up to communication networks. Not even the the internet necessarily, but it goes up to like AT and T's network sure. or you know in Europe maybe Orange's network or wherever the companies are. Right, so they've been grabbing data off of those rather than hacking the phone itself. Um, but if they really wanted to, they could probably spend the time, money to hack her phone if they really wanted to. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean. If you have something, somebody can find a way to break in. I don't care what you... It's it's like you look at the Titanic. They're like, this boat is sink-proof. This boat will never sink. First thing that happens, it sinks. You know what I mean? Like, anything, anytime you say something's impossible, somebody will find a way to make it possible.
0: Because I, I just think that... Well, see, the part that I didn't understand, because I don't think like a hacker, obviously, that if you're into famous naked women, it seems like it makes no sense to release them. Because if you have access to them, soon as the per- those women are aware that they could steal their pictures, they're mm-hmm. going to stop taking those pictures. Here's the thing. They don't uh, think like a pervert.
1: Here's the thing. Most celebrities are... Incredibly stupid. And I guarantee you, there are still celebrities. They're stupid right now. High tech stuff. There's a girl in Hollywood somewhere that's a hot girl taking a picture of her boobs right now and texting it to somebody. Guaranteed. Guaranteed it's happening. So I don't think that's going to stop. Uh,. The thing is with all this, initially what was going on is the people were trading these photos. Like somebody would hack, say, Jennifer Lawrence, right? And they get the Jennifer Lawrence batch and they would trade it. Some guys like, hey, I got Kate Upton's. I'll send you five Kate Upton pictures for five Jennifer Lawrence pictures. And they would trade them. And then enough people... So
0: so, so one of the scumbag decided to release the whole thing.
1: Enough people, I think,
0: got enough of the stuff
1: to when then on 4chan is where the leaks started happening, uh, they were releasing them a little more publicly at that point because they'd had this huge pile, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to give a gift to the internet, and I'm going to let everybody see Jennifer Lawrence naked, and then they started releasing them, okay. and they came out of batches, and then it was different people probably releasing the different batches of them.
0: And can I? Can you explain, because for a long time, whenever I saw 4chan, mm-hmm. only thing I knew is, like, there's pictures of, you know, people fucking whores, <laughs> like, all that <laughs> so are, yeah. I, I didn't really go in, because, like, yeah. it seems so redundant because I was...
1: 4chan, a uh, I never spent any time on there, because I don't like their interface, but it's, uh it's a message board where everybody's anonymous.
0: Right, so, completely.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, like if somebody really wanted to, they could probably find out who different people are, uh, but everybody has anonymous, uh, they're all anonymous on that website, and that's where you know the hacking group Anonymous has done a lot of their uh, communication with one another, like they've yeah. done a lot of it on 4chan, uh, and now there's an offshoot called 8chan, because the guy that used to run 4chan decided to ban certain things that the people who like certain things, didn't want to have banned. They started 8chan, and now there's a bunch of chans, right? So, But the core of all those things is that they are based around images and sharing of images and being anonymous. Those are the two core tenets to what they do. And then they've got boards that talk about all kinds of things, about
0: politics, and about what's technology. The, and I've been to uh, Reddit too, but what's yeah. the major difference? Reddit's not really the graphic stuff mostly, right? No,
1: Reddit is a link aggregator. Uh, They're very much like the site Dig, what that used to be. Uh, Basically, what happens is you see something you like on the Internet. You're like, hey, this is interesting. And what you can do is you can share it on Facebook, and your friends will see it. And you can share it on Reddit, and then all kinds of people on Reddit uh, will
0: see it. So you're trying to find communities of people who have the same interest in something. Yeah, so
1: like on Reddit, there are tens of thousands of subreddits is what they're called. So like, uh, like I'm the moderator, one of the moderators of the stand-up subreddit. So everything on there is all about stand-up comedy. So uh, I see an article about uh Bill Burr's new special, I might post it to the stand up subreddit. And then and there's, is interested. there's the... We have like twenty two thousand subscribers on there, whatever. So those twenty two thousand people, if they're looking at Reddit that day, will see this in their list of stuff to look at. Right. And then I I like rabbits, so I subscribe to one about rabbits, and it's people posting pictures of their rabbits all the time. And I can see pictures of rabbits whenever I want. Uh, you know, there's technology boards and there's political boards and there's you know, there's uh, all kinds of pornography ones and all kinds of political ones. And anything you can think of, there's subreddits that talk about it. And each of them have very different communities based on who the people are in that particular but thing.
0: If the Reddit is probably <laughs> thinking about trying to monetize more now. So once you're trying to get money,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you start making little compromises, right? Like certain people don't want to do business with you because you have some racist shit or... Possibly. You know to
1: say? Yeah, I mean, Reddit has...
0: It's been around for been 10 years, I think, if I remember. Somewhere right. in that range. Yeah. They've
1: traditionally been a pretty big uh, bastion of free speech. They have basically said, like, unless something is illegal, we're not going to take it off our network. Like, just because it might be offensive, we're not going to remove it. Um, but then they not they that, have
0: uh, celebrity pictures from Reddit and 4chan?
1: They they removed the board where they were primarily being traded. There's still parts of Reddit where you can find them if you know what to look for. Um, mm-hmm. uh, th- that came... I think they were able to use the fact that there were some photos of Michaela Maroni in that leak where she was allegedly 17 when they were taken, and I think they were able to use that as justification for taking it down because well, those may be
0: that is illegal. child porn, technically. And if you, uh, anyone under 18 is child porn? Uh,
1: as far, I don't think she was naked in the photos. I Uh-oh. don't know. So, I mean, but they were provocative photos. Yeah. Like she was in underwear underwear. So I, I, didn't, I didn't see those. But uh, because of that, uh, I think they used that as justification to remove the board um, and also, I mean, it was probably a uh, copyright violation. Although the thing is, with Reddit, Reddit doesn't host any content. So, like, if you take something off Reddit, all you're doing is removing a link to some content. That l- that content still exists on whatever server it happens to be on.
0: Wait, like, wait the- so important. Can you put a content on it?
1: Again... 4chan doesn't host the content. They have links to content. And the content actually sits on websites more like Mega is probably a big one where they have a lot of this content. And again, that's all. Everything's anonymous and it's just a big uh, file storage place. And that's the one where uh, the guy Kim.com the guy changed his name to Kim.com in New Zealand. The
0: guy in New Zealand. He's stuck there.
1: Yeah, he ran this company called uh, 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 what was his first one? But now they're Mega.com. It was... uh, I heard Mega Links or Mega Uploads or mm-hmm. whatever they were—I forget—and they got shut down because he was being sued by Hollywood for copyright violations, all kinds of stuff. Right? So the New Zealand the New Zealand authorities shut him down because he's, and then he started another one called Mega, where it's all encrypted and they can't. He
0: provided service where people choose to use the service to steal other people's TV and movie shows. Yes. Right? Yeah. But he's not doing it. But Correct. And I, and I heard recently he's supposed he's to-
1: making it easier for him to do, and I think yeah. eventually he's going to wind up going to jail for all this stuff when it comes down to it. But you think so? Ultimately, yeah, they're going to find a way to nail But there's too much money involved because <laughs> uh, he's being put on trial for all you know all kinds of stuff in New Zealand, and wow. you know it remains to be seen because he made a lot of money by charging people money for things that he <laughs> didn't own. But you know I don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, I tend to fall on the anti-piracy side of things in terms of my general feelings i think it's wrong to pirate stuff but i don't think that everybody that pirates things is necessarily a bad person i don't think that every time somebody pirates a movie that hollywood lost the sale i don't think that makes any makes any sense i think a lot of people pirated a bunch of things because they were there not necessarily costing anybody any business because they're like, oh, yeah, I'll get the new star- the new uh, Spider-Man movie, whatever. And they might not have even gone to see the Spider-Man movie, and they download and like, yeah, you know, I'm not even going to watch it or whatever, right? I think that happens more than people are like, oh, I don't want to see this in the theater. I don't want to pay $8 or $12. Yeah. You know, seeing movies on the big screen is better than seeing them on your computer. Nobody prefers to see them on their computer. I think most of the piracy that goes on is people that just want to see something early, and they're still going to go see in the theater. I don't think it costs anybody any business uh, if the product is good.
0: Well, you know, I'm a huge fan of Game of Thrones on mm-hmm. HBO, and that is the most pirated show ever. Yeah. And I don't think this is going to happen, but I was shocked four or five months ago, you started hearing rumor; It's confirmed. I don't know. It'll be maybe 2016 or late 2015. HBO will start offering service like Netflix, where if you just... You can just subscribe to, to them online, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to buy the whole you HBO You don't have to have
1: cable. You don't have to do anything. You can just do online. And I think that makes a lot of sense from the to do, because... Uh, so many people are cutting the cord from their cable company where they're not getting cable TV anymore. Yeah. The HBO subscriber base, I think, is probably seeing a hit because people are trying to do less and less. Because cable companies are acting douchier and douchier over time. Getting more and more expensive, offering less and less for that, and their content is not as good, and, you know, it's just nobody... Nobody it, it, it likes the dra- cable company. It drives company. me
0: crazy because if you're not a sports fan, I'm trying to be fair with people, but if you're not a sports fan and if you get cable, they force you to get ESPN. All these and and cable channels, like yeah. Four, and you don't care. ESPN literally 4 to $5 dollars a month. Yeah. From the that actual whole cable bill, that you pay. They, that's how massive they are. And if you're not a fan of Lakers or Dodgers... Yeah, you're going to get these channels see,
1: that you're going to pay for. Yeah. You don't have any issues. And I get it. Uh, I think one thing that would make a lot of sense for cable companies to do but the cable companies don't want to do it and the content providers don't want them to but offer everything a la carte where you can be like I want these 12 channels and then the price per channel is 4 bucks a channel, wherever it is and then that's my bill
0: Let's say I'm a vegetarian of a consumption of TV Mm -hmm. shows I don't want to see any sports uh, shows. I mean, yeah. I don't want to pay for that. The
1: the the reason they, that they don't want that to happen is because a lot of these cable channels will have nobody picking them up, and the cable channels will not have enough of a enough of an income coming in to where they can even make anything.
0: Like, you know, but I have say, a news for you, free market here. Um, if if you're producing the kind of product that people mm-hmm. don't want, then that's your fucking fault. Yeah. You know. Well,
1: as people that are at least loosely affiliated with Hollywood, yeah. you, know, you and me, right? It's probably better for us if they don't do that, because quite frankly, I think a lot of the tv show opportunities will dry up if that happens because so many of these shows have no audience whatsoever and they only exist because people pay rights fees to have the channel
0: yeah
1: uh and they get a little bit of rights fees because they're forced to be bundled because fox is like all right. You want Fox? Then you're also going to take Fox Sports. You're also going to take FX. You're also going to take FXX. You're going to take whatever 900 other channels we have. You're going to pay so it's us- Just like one of those whatever, bundle yeah, packages. Yeah, so they do all these bundles and that stuff. Viacom does it. All those companies do that to have all these networks out with all this content. And I think a lot of those channels will dry up, and then the TV shows on them will dry up, and then there's fewer TV jobs for you and me. But as a consumer, it would be better for me as an entertainer. It would probably be a little bit worse, but- I, you know, know, I don't. I don't I don't think it's going to happen anyway. I, so. I
0: personally think if if it's bad, they should die. I mean, I'm I'm just maybe. Yeah, um, I
1: just I don't think it's going to happen because the cable companies have an oligopoly on the system, and there's no, there's not enough of a disruptive influence from anybody to really change everything. Like maybe well, if we it, get to a day and age where if if everybody has a super super fast internet to their home, like way faster than what we have now. Like if they have Google Fiber speeds, yeah. then there can be competing services that come up over the internet that can cut their own deals with networks and do stuff, and people could just get internet-based broadcasting of all this stuff. But we're probably a good, you know, five, ten years away from that happening in America. In Europe, they can do it because they have the speeds. In Asia, they can do it. They have the speeds, but here we don't have it. I, I think changes are coming because
0: I... I remember when the Netflix was available first year, yeah, going years back to think what they're going to turn into is yeah. shocking to me, but no,
1: I think it will happen. I just no think choice. it's going to happen in the near term. I think that's you know five, ten years away because the internet speeds just aren't there yet. I mean, our internet here in the u s we pay more and get less than just about anywhere in the world. I mean, our prices are the highest, and we have the crappiest service, <clears throat> and part of that is because we have to subsidize. Uh, people in the middle of nowhere, yeah, and I get that. But uh, for people in actual urban areas, it kind of sucks,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. But we gotta wait for Google Fiber to come in and save us all. That's
0: it's you know it's to me it sounds scary for people in the business, but I'm not in the business. But I'm, as a someone who likes innovation, mm-hmm. you know what Hulu and Netflix, even Amazon.com have their own yeah. shows too. You know, and some of
1: those are great, like Amazon. Uh, Well, I mean, I know they got a bunch of nominations for Transparent, but I hated it. Hated it. Oh, do I hate Transparent so much? That's my least favorite show I've seen in the last five years. And it's not because
0: of the... You hate transsexuals.
1: No, I I don't care about the subject matter. Yeah. In fact, if they made an edit of that show, which was just the scenes with uh, the character Mora, who's played by Jeffrey Tambor, who's the trans character in the show, if they made uh, a version of the show that was just the scenes with her... Uh, I would watch the show and probably really enjoy it. His entire family on that show is made up of the biggest hipster douchebags I've ever seen. They make me angry to see them. Like I want to punch every. Like I want to find the actors and punch the actors in the face. That's how annoying but they man, are.
0: Matt, welcome to uh, West, uh, Westwood. Or yeah. I, uh- <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, I will say they got a show that was really good called Alpha House which is fantastic if you like politics at all, it. it's kind of like the sitcom version of House of Cards it's got John Goodman
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, I think it's Mark Consuelos oh is that from
0: uh, Amazon
1: yeah it's like on it? Amazon that okay. show's great and then they've got another show that's pretty good called uh, Betas which is very similar in feel to Silicon Valley from HBO it's a very similar show about people in, in the Silicon Valley like doing a startup and all that stuff. It's it's the same show as Silicon Valley but it's pretty good Uh, I like that
0: show on HBO, Silicon. uh, Yeah,
1: if you like that show, check out Betas. It's like the same show. It's got the same character types. uh, But this one has Ed Begley Jr. instead of somebody else playing the old guy.
0: And you know, another thing is like, uh, maybe I'm pronouncing the show wrong, but it's called morgan mm-hmm. maybe uh it's a political th- thriller from denmark and it's fantastic it's it's mm-hmm.
1: uh i haven't seen that one
0: it's it's fantastic yeah. you know it's, there's three seasons of it and mm-hmm. um translation well
1: the other thing amazon prime has is uh, my comedy special you can go on and watch free with your amazon prime account yeah, it's called hater, <laughs> hater by matt walker h8r go check that out and i get eight cents every time you do so watch it a lot that's that's, oh, my that's, bi- cool. that's my big financial deal. I, I get no money up front. I get eight cents every time somebody watches it.
0: Um, all, all you need is like a billion people. <laughs> like a billion, billion people. Yeah. If
1: everybody on planet watches it, I'll be doing really well. But uh, you know, probably more like a couple thousand wind up watching it. I'll make eighty dollars and be like, okay, that was fine, you know.
0: But going back what, what I was saying with that Danny show, it just seems like if it, if the show is good enough, even if it's another country, even if it's mm-hmm. another language, oh yeah. Pe- people find entertainment and I think it uh, it sounds harsh but may- maybe there is a need to kill a lot of bad shows put pressure on oh I,
1: I totally agree with you there yeah creativity, I you mean know? I think uh, uh, well the, the sad thing is a lot of the shows on these channels that nobody watches are not necessarily bad shows I, I don't want to say that like you know these shows on some crappy channel nobody's gonna watch it and that's because yeah. it's a bad show I think a lot of it is just because people don't even know it's there like I get so many channels on my TV, I have no idea what they are. Like, I, I watch probably 15 channels and that's about it. I don't even know what the rest of them are. Like, I, I wouldn't know, you know, how to even find them until I just have to go to the guide and search for them all that sure. kind of stuff. So, um, I think there's a lot of good shows that'll probably wind up going away. Um, and again, they'll be replaced by other stuff, ultimately. Uh, but I think there will be a change for the consumers in the future, but I don't think it's in the near term. I think that's Longer down the road, because I don't think that's going to happen until there's some government regulation of what's going on right now. Because these companies do it because they can, and they've been getting away with it for their entire existence. So, why would they change and make themselves less profitable? Like, they don't want to see less money coming from you and me, they want to see more money coming from you and me. So, they've got no incentive to do it.
0: Before deregulation by Reagan, I think, or maybe even Carter with airline business air travel was so expensive granted you probably had a better looking people at uh, times serving and uh, a service might have been better but uh, the people has voted they'd rather have a shitty service and cheaper flight well
1: the thing is like you look here in California when they deregulated the electricity market it was a disaster disaster for the state by doing that Uh, prices for everyone went up significantly we had that whole mess with Enron where the the spot prices of energy went up by That's 10, right. 20, 100 times.
0: I mean... They talk about that in the documentary, Smartest Guy in the Room. Smartest Guy in
1: the Room, yeah. yeah. So you look at all this stuff. I mean, sometimes regulation is a very good thing for both the industry and the consumers. Um, and then they had to com- come back and basically re-regulate a lot of the way the electric con- sure. business works in California to fix the whole problem. And, uh, you know, there, there are no government regulations in businesses for things that have never been a problem. You know what I mean? Government <laughs> does, doesn't just go in and say, hey, we're going to regulate this because we want to regulate it. They do it because there's a problem that the industry failed to address. And they almost always give the industry a chance to address those issues before they do it. But, Matt, so, don't you
0: think sometimes even if there's no problem, they see opportunity to make money or, or expand their power? Well, here's they, the thing. You know,
1: If we don't like that happening… Vote for different people. Vote for people who are less regulatory. That's the great thing about our government is we have the option to vote for different people. We just don't do it in this country because we don't have enough more. I mean, I vote Primarily for candidates who are not members of either the Democrats or Republicans. Most of the people I end up voting for are people in third parties, uh, independents. Uh, you know, I I voted for Ralph Nader in two thousand. I voted for Ralph Nader in two thousand four. I voted for Ralph Nader in two thousand eight. I voted for Rocky Anderson in two thousand twelve. You know, and down the ballot, I vote for people generally in the Green Party, Peace and Freedom Party. I'm voting for people from these other parties that have a different view on the world yeah. than the two mainstream parties, but until more people do that or until we change the way that congressional districts are drawn in this country, we're gonna keep getting the same people over and over again. Because Congress has an overall approval rate of what, like four percent, something like that? It's formidable. maybe maybe one in twenty people approves of the job that Congress is doing. But individual Congress members have approval rates typically in the sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety percent rate because of the way the congressional districts are drawn. So people in a specific part of Louisiana living in a swamp somewhere might say, hey, Congress sucks, but my guy's awesome. You know what I mean? Their guy might be the problem for 90% of America, but they love their guy, and he's going to keep getting voted in because of the way these districts run. Now, in California, we've changed things a little bit because we took the power to draw congressional districts out of the hands of politicians, and we put it into an independent commission that's made of citizens in the state of California. And what we've had is a redrawing of our congressional map in California, and yeah. we've and we tend to see now a little bit more of a moderate base and people who more closely represent the views of the people of California. Now, uh,
0: but can I also tell you, other
1: countries do it even better, where they have parli- parliaments which represent the people far better yeah, than we ours? We have a lives. tendency
0: to blame politicians, but we have the politicians we deserve to get because we keep wh- voting for them, Co- or don't vote for them, or don't or we, we don't, don't run. It, like yeah.
1: if somebody says, "Hey, everything's terrible." Run for office. Yeah. Like, if you think everything's awful, run to be city council in your local community. Then run for state assembly. Then run for state of senate. Then run for congress. Then run for the senate. Then run for president. Like, you have a path to make a change if you really think sing- things suck the way they are. Uh, one thing but that I really most bugs people, me.
0: Most people are well, you know anything.
1: why? You know why they're not going to do it? Because America's made up of a bunch of slacktivists where we like to complain about things online yeah. and we like to be like, oh, I'm going to change my Facebook profile picture so that's going to make marriage equality happen. Well, no, it's fucking not. It's not going to do a goddamn thing. You can tweet coney 2012 as many times as you want. It's not going to affect the situation in Africa. It doesn't actually do anything. And people look at these things and they're like, Oh, I'm tweeting about this problem, so I'm helping solve it. Uh, no, you're doing nothing except wasting your time and annoying me on t- on Twitter. That's all i I have doing. to say,
0: whenever you do something, Facebook or Twitter, account, you, <laughs> That picture of yours... <laughs> I, if you don't know Matt, you, if you see the picture, like, this guy's a smart ass.
1: <laughs> I do have smart ass pictures on, on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, I've been... You know, I'm I'm pretty heavily involved in in the internet and social media. I mean, I won the Shorty Award in 2012 for comedian, uh, which you probably heard my bio somewhere. What's, I don't. Know. I've heard that before. What is that? And they give these. Uh, it's the least important award in the history of the world. Let me preface it by saying that because it's an award, not not for the people who made social media, not for the people who made these systems we all use, but for people like me who are tweeting things on Twitter and putting stuff on YouTube and Facebook. They give awards for, like, short content providers is what they're calling it. Uh, and it's stupid, but I got an award for comedian on, on you know, being best comedian in social media in 2012. Uh, so, I mean... But well that's good, though. You got, I mean... Well, yeah, there, I right? got it. You can see it. It's right there. There's the award right there. It's kind of cool looking. Oh, yeah. But... uh it's literally the least important thing we can give people awards for. So, like, I don't act like that means anything. Like, I don't look at that and be like, oh, that means I'm, uh, you know, a, a big deal. But
0: uh, <laughs> it, I just look at that as me saying, like, I
1: spend too much time on the Internet Wait, is what that
0: speaking means. Of, uh, mm-hmm. um, speaking of that, we, we need to talk two more things. Than mm-hmm. finish this, but one, what the fuck is going on with the Oakland Raiders? I mean, are you? are you? I'm excited. I'm excited about the
1: young talent on the Oakland Raiders. I'm a big Raider fan. Have been since I was a kid. They were the Yellow Raiders. What, what, when what I was is the up. biggest problem? The like ownership.
0: Uh, no, the the team. Damn. The team
1: has had periods of highs and lows, just like any team. Yeah. Uh, you know, our most recent heyday ended uh, with our Super Bowl in uh, 2004. I want to say 2003. I think it was 2003. Because I went to the AFC Championship game in two thousand one, when we lost to the Ravens, and then two thousand two, I think lost it was two thousand three was the year we lost to uh, Tampa, Bay. Tampa
0: Bay. So, and you had a coach who could have beaten that Super Bowl, but you guys lived. Well,
1: he was on the other team. But yes, he, he's the guy who knew all the plays we were calling because Bill Callahan was a terrible coach. So here is what here is what happened up until that point. Al Davis had some guys working for him that handled all of the business side of the football. The owner contracts. of the Raiders,
0: who is dead yeah. now, mm-hmm.
1: uh, he had guys that handled the cap stuff. Uh, Bruce Allen, Michael Lombardi, worked for him, and they did a lot of stuff. And they were great personnel guys, right? And they worked very close I with Al Davis Mike and they helped Lombardi. these guys, right? So uh, they left to go do other things, you know, other positions, higher up, so right. other teams, whatever. And then Al Davis was just on his own, and he didn't hire somebody else. So he was trying to do everything himself. And I think at that point, he needed a little bit of help handling the business side of things. Because I think Al Davis was still a great evaluator of talent, and he was still a guy who would get whatever player he wanted. He's never The Raiders never been a team that was cheap, and they didn't get the players they wanted. And the problem was... But Matt,
0: I don't think he did a good job last 10 years of his life.
1: I think he did no worse a job than any other owner i think the problem was he didn't have a guy managing the cap space to come in and be like hey we need to make these contracts work in a different way and also the other thing that al davis was not that great at was picking coaches in that last 10 years because they've not had a good coach since uh john gruden other than one we had one good coach hugh jackson this was the last coach Al Davis ever hired. He had the team on an upswing. The team went back-to-back eight and eight years. The offense looked good. The defense was playing hard. Go. Some of the personnel wasn't there. Then it was that the year Al Davis died. Mark Davis said, hey, I'm going to hire Reggie McKenzie to run the football operations because I'm not a football guy like my dad was. Reggie McKenzie came in. Wait, he wait, wanted his, his own McKenzie guy.
0: Is the, uh, the he's the general manager. manager. Are you happy with him?
1: No. And I'm not happy with him because he fired Hugh Jackson and hired Dennis Allen, who was the worst coach we've had since you Lang had Diffen. him before, right? Dennis Allen, no.
0: Oh, and then who am I getting confused? Um, there's some guy who was out of the football, and they no, no. You're that. thinking
1: of Art Shell, that's who right. Al Davis hired. That was uh, in 2006, uh, and that was Art Shell. Uh, was a great coach on his first one with the Raiders, and he just didn't work out the second time around. Yeah, uh, but I, I supported that hire when he made it. I mean, nobody expected him to be a horrible coach, or right? he's just you know he just wasn't right for the the team and everything. But uh, Reggie McKenzie, I'll say this: I think he made some questionable personnel moves when he first came in. I think he made some questionable coaching hires when he first came in, uh, and. I would be happy if he left and we had somebody else come in, but if they keep him around, I will give Reggie McKenzie credit for this. He did have a great draft this last year, and the year before, he had a pretty good draft uh, because we're seeing a lot of first- and second-year players on the Raiders that are starting to play really well. Derek Carr, I think, is a quarterback that can be the quarterback of the future for the team. I'm very I excited so about too. him. we got some young players like C.O. Moore. you got Khalil Mack, who's uh, probably going to be up there in the top two or three vote-getters for uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year.
0: Because uh, I remember uh, a couple months ago... Rich Cannon, who was the last quarterback to take the Raiders to Super Bowl, and he Mm -hmm. is a radio personality and critic of the Raiders. Mm -hmm. And he basically said, these players who play for Raiders are fucking thieves. They're just collecting money. Some of them are. And
1: I think, uh, you know, but I mean, some of the the veterans that brought in are are good. You know, Charles Woodson has still played well, even though he's a million years old. He's still playing at 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 a fairly high level. You know, he's not pro Bowl level anymore but he's playing he's better than the league
0: average you know he's a slightly better than average guy and so i also think a guy like that could provide leadership yeah. and teach young people that work it helping them yeah. yeah
1: and i will say that once we made a coaching change on this team the attitude seems to have changed the players play harder uh they're now up to three wins this yeah. year you know i mean they like if you would have told me after week 11 we were going to go three and two in the next two weeks i would have been like no we're not You know, but, you know, so things Uh, I think uh, are on the upswing with the young personnel. But we need a good coach to take over. And I think that I really think we're going to have Harbaugh next year. I think
0: that's going to happen. Okay. um, First of all, um, I have a soft spot for Raiders because when I used to live in L.A. the first time, Mm -hmm. 85 to 90, they were still here. And two, for those of you, if you don't follow American football, I have a softball for Raiders even though I'm a Seahawks fan because they, have they were in the g- same division at that they time. They gave people who were, I guess quote unquote fuck ups they didn't mm-hmm. work out in other yeah. uh, and, and, and they talk- were the team of second chances. Yeah they give chances to these guys Motley Kruba guys mm-hmm. and also um, uh, you know Al Davis I have to give the guy a credit He's he is Jewish he's one of the Jewish owners <laughs> in the beginning and he give so much opportunity to minority players and coaches. First,
1: yeah, uh, first black head coach in the NFL was Archell with the Raiders. Yeah. Uh,
0: Tom Flores, one
1: of the first Hispanic head coach, Tom yeah. Flores, first uh, Hispanic quarterback. I think was Jim Plunkett. Yeah, they had either the first or second black quarterback in the NFL. Yeah,
0: um, and one of the higher up uh, vice president of, or, uh, of a woman Amy Trask was, Asian was the
1: president of the co- president of the organization for fifteen years. Asian woman. Was so, president of the Raiders for a long and,
0: time. And Raiders, uh, uh, interestingly enough, the Raiders, very progressive.
1: They're a very colorblind team in that they don't care who you are. If you can help them win, they don't care what you've done. All yeah. they care about is if you can help them win. That's always been the motto.
0: So, and, 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 and Raiders used to have a reputation being this, like a crazy outlaw. Mm-hmm. But quite often, the guys who wear this outrageous uh, outfit, they're like CPA, the doctors, and lawyers. Like me. You know? Yeah,
1: when I go to Raider games I do the whole deal I get
0: into face paint I do the whole deal uh, it's fun you know I, yeah. I, I, and, and, and I'm, I'm a fan of NFL and mm-hmm. it makes me sad when you have a weak Raiders because I think when Raiders are strong it's fun yeah. entertaining I really think that next
1: year Harbaugh will be the coach I think he's sort of I think that's where he wants to end up because I don't think he wants to leave California. I don't think he wants to leave the Bay Area.
0: Well, especially over- the rumor I keep hearing that his wife does not want to leave the yeah, uh, I mean, Bay Area. What like, what is you going to do? Take a job with the Jets or the
1: Bears Like, and uproot his whole family and move to the middle of the country or go to Michigan? Granted, he can get paid more money in
0: Michigan. Don't, I'm not going to doubt that, but you know he's a guy rumor, where he, he's the, got enough
1: money. I don't think he needs
0: it. The rumor that I keep hearing is, is Atlanta. Because mm-hmm. be, because they already say they ha- actually have a quarterback mm-hmm. and they actually have a talent. I think I don't have anything against yeah. that coach, but he, I don't think he's a good Mike Smith. Coach. I yeah, don't I don't, he's a I don't good think coach. he's great. Uh, Harbaugh, maybe he. You know, it, it, it kind of bothers me to, because I'm such a Seahawks mm-hmm. fan, but my personality goes. I'm more of a Harbaugh guy. Harbaugh is a great coach. I Get mean, Pete Carroll very face. good coach too. Yeah. I
1: mean, I, I can't knock either one of those guys. They've both been great coaches. Uh, Especially this time around for Pete Carroll. You know, his first run in the pros didn't go quite as well. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think uh, Harbaugh is certainly a guy. I think he's proven he's a guy that can win the Super Bowl. He hasn't yet, but I think he can. But he's a very competitive every guy. Every program that he went whether
0: college or pro.
1: Every th- program he's b- has been a turnaround job. He, ta- he doesn't shy away from taking a bad team and making them a good team. And I think the Raiders having Derek Carr, having some good young defensive talent having uh, uh, an offensive line that's actually played, played pretty well this year, I think that's a team he could look at and say, hey, I don't have to go very far. I can do something with this. I can make it happen. And I think the Raiders would basically give him control over the operation. I, I mean, I think if the Raiders can get Harbaugh, I think they would fire Reggie McKenzie in a heartbeat.
0: If, I, I, I think in my dreamable dreams, mm-hmm. this is something that people in Oakland will not like hearing. Mm-hmm. But my scenario is, Harbaugh going to Oakland, Mm -hmm. and the team eventually moved to LA. I think that's going to happen. That's what I want. It's going to make
1: me happy. I I think, I mean, they they re up their their lease for one year for next year because Goodell basically came out and said nobody's going to vote to let anybody move this offseason, so nobody's going to be in LA next year, but I think 2016, I think we're probably going to have the Raiders and Rams back in LA. That's my gut feeling.
0: I'm glad you say that. When I I say that. I'm I'm glad mm -hmm. you say that because I was about to say, I really think we're going to have two teams in LA. Yeah.
1: When that happens, though, I will say, I do not believe there will be a stadium built in downtown LA. I think the stadium is either going to be the one in industry or a stadium will be built at Hollywood Park. I don't see a stadium being built in downtown LA. I just don't think that a farmer's field is ever going to happen. It doesn't make any logistical sense to have that stadium happen there. I don't think that all the interests that will object to it are going to go away in time to make it so that can actually happen. I'll believe that stadium will exist when I see it exist. Yeah.
0: So, um, But I, I'm, yes. I, I'm, I'm such a huge... So f- that's me
1: talking about the Raiders. I think they're on the upswing. Uh, I'm excited about where they will be in the future. However, as a caveat, let me say, I've said that same exact thing about five or six times over <laughs> the last ten years, so I clearly don't know what the hell I'm talking about.
0: And, and I like this idea that um, if Harvard goes Oakland, just they already hate each other—the Niners and Raiders. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Oh, it'll be oh, it'll be bad. I mean, it gets it gets crazy now, and I can't imagine they're going to play again in four years. The next time they play, I mean, they'll play during the uh, preseason again. Yeah. But uh, the next time they play is in four years, and
0: that's going to be a pretty wild game, I'd imagine. And and it does make me sad that um, as a Seahawks fan. To see them lose Harbaugh because the rivalry is so entertaining. His rivalry with Pete Carroll has been very entertaining. It's watch. so entertaining. Yeah. And I feel bad because I have so much respect from 49ers. Because if you don't have a such a esteemed franchise, Seahawks will not be better. Because, it, you know, yeah.
1: expectations you you are some. Although I think the the Arizona Cardinals, if they can get a quarterback that's better than me, uh, will yeah. be that team to challenge them. Uh like, I think they better be calling, well, it, this is going to be in two weeks. So we're going to find out what the hell happened with the Cardinals in two weeks. But, I mean, how they haven't called, like, Brett Favre or call Tim Tebow. Call, call Jamarcus Russell. Yeah. Call somebody who's I been don't in know a pro Jamarcus game. about Russell. They're right. going to start a guy next week who's never played a pro game. He's a rookie. Like, how is this going to do you any good coming into the playoffs? Like, you're screwed. You're done. Pack it in. None of these guys can can do enough to make it happen.
0: Yeah. So I I, I don't want to say anything bad about Cardinals because I think they've had a great season. Great season. And I, I think
1: if Carson Palmer had not been hurt, that's a team that would probably be sitting at like fourteen and two at the end of the year and would roll through the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. Like I really think they were a team built to win it all. And I think they've got a great team with a lot of talent. It's just their quarterback situation. They're on their fifth quarterback. Yeah. Like it's Fourth they're FF, Yeah. They're just they're they're done. It's like you can't go that far down the depth chart.
0: And, and, and still and win. That, man, there was a time six, seven weeks ago, I thought, Ugh, I don't know, even Seahawks' gonna go to playoff because my my Yeah, they have had a huge turnaround. My my feeling was beginning of the season, I would have been just happy they made it a playoff, you know. But now if they win next week,
1: they're number one seed Yeah, number one seed overall, yeah. I'm I'm really I'm, I was very surprised with that. I mean they had a great second half of the year.
0: They've Well they're uh, healthier. That's what it is what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, and it,
1: the thing that's surprising is they dumped uh that receiver uh, Right around that time, you know, they were like having a bad year. They dumped that one Percy receiver, Harvin, Percy yeah. Harvin, who's like a big name guy and had a big role in the Super Bowl, and he was supposed to be a big part of their offense. I feel bad that they the that uh, a Golden
0: uh, uh, Golden Tate's gone, golden Tate's gone in, and we sure, he's had a great own. season, yeah.
1: He was great for my fantasy league team this year, gotta say, Golden Tate, but uh, uh, so like. You know the the Seahawks. I think they're definitely a big Super Bowl contender. I think uh, the Packers have slid off a little bit now.
0: Um, I don't because I don't think Seattle could go to Green Bay and beat those guys. I I don't. I'm not a. Ab- uh, sure if about
1: Seattle that. gets the home field advantage, I think we. Then I think them. they're the favorite to make it to the Super Bowl. Yes. If Seattle doesn't get the home field advantage, then I think Green Bay could definitely challenge them. Uh, I think Arizona, again. <sighs> If Arizona had a quarterback, I would pick Arizona to win, Right, uh, but they don't have a quarterback. I mean, it's like, it's like you were playing quarterback for them. It's like ridiculous, and their running game has not been their strength this so year. So biggest
0: concern for Seattle is three things for me right now. Uh, next week, we cannot take Rams as a joke. They're not a joke player. No, the Rams are a good team. Jeff Fisher, he's an incredible coach. That defense is
1: frightening. Defense is playing out of, out of this world, and they're, they're a very good team.
0: I'm just uh, glad we're playing in Seattle, and I hope we learn to beat these guys because that game I got a hand at to the Rams, they did all kinds of trick plays. Like yeah, motherfuckers, like <laughs> you know, like uh, I, I tip my hat to them. This so was crazy. Yeah, I hope they take it serious, and I do think they take serious, and I hope they beat them. If they do end up beating them, the biggest concern for Seattle is uh, complacency and possible injuries. But Cowboys and Green Bay, those are the big concern for me.
1: I would know? not be concerned about Dallas. There's something about Dallas to where I'm just like... It's like, to me, they're like the emperor's new clothes. I'm just like, they're not... But they
0: did beat Seattle in Seattle. Yes.
1: They did. Uh, And that was a great win. But I don't think that would ever happen again. I don't think... I don't know. Maybe it's just my bias. I just... I don't buy the Cowboys as a legit Super Bowl contender.
0: I hope hope somebody beat them and we don't have to deal with it. And I think... um, as great as Green Bay's and Aaron Rodgers is, fr- he is a scary motherfucker. When, he,
1: when I mean, he's had a couple bad games this year, but outside of those bad games, he's been playing like MVP level, They're phenomenal. And, and it's weird because you know, two weeks ago, Aaron Rodgers had a bad game and he killed a bunch Against of people Buffalo in fantasy. Bills, right? yeah. The next week, Peyton Manning had a bad game, killed a bunch of people in fantasy. Then this week, Drew Brees had a bad game. He killed me in fantasy. So it's like it's like the the elite quarterbacks were like taking turns having a bad game and screwing people's fantasy playoffs.
0: Well, for for example, tonight I did four game parlay. I already won three games yesterday. Mm-hmm. Tonight, who'd you pick? Uh, I had Green Bay, Pittsburgh, and I also have Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And then tonight, uh, I beat the spread. Tonight, I just have to have Denver beat Bengals by four points. Then I get six hundred fifteen bucks. So. Four
1: points should be doable.
0: I would expect. But that you just—you just—you never, never know.
1: know. The thing in the NFL, like you never know. You just never know. I mean, look at it this way: uh, Derek Carr has thrown more touchdowns against the Bills defense than Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning combined this year, because he threw one, and those guys threw zero each. So it's like you never know who's going to be who's going to do stuff against who.
0: And I, I have to uh, going back to your team, Ra- Raiders. I, I I have to admit. I think they are in the upswing because I like that. Kid. There's
1: a lot of good young talent, and Derek Carr has the right attitude. I think he saw a lot of things his brother did that didn't work out, and I think he learned from it. And David I think Carr, he's really.
0: And I always felt bad for him because they
1: played him right away. Played they, him right away with an offensive line that was horrible to where he got sacked what like sixty times the first. Season. It was Poor he was awful. He was getting
0: killed, you know. So I think. Uh, um, I think uh, Derek went to Fresno State. They're yeah. pretty good. And I think they kind of eased this guy in. And the only reason he started playing because uh, what's his name got hurt? Who will play for well, Texan? Matt Shaw. Yeah. It,
1: they, they say it's because he was hurt at the beginning of the year, but really, he lost the job of Derek Carr in training camp. Like, Derek Carr outplayed him. And they're like, and the same thing happened last year with uh, Terrell Pryor, who outplayed Matt Flynn, who came in. Yeah. And then ex- ex- again, Terrell Pryor, great talent, never got a shot from Dennis Allen, really. Dennis Allen never wanted him to be the quarterback. Reggie McKenzie never wanted him because he was Al Davis' last draft pick. And they sort of wanted him to get rid of the guy. reminds
0: guys. me of Black Tebow. He, was a, he played really well. Remember that game against Pittsburgh last year whenever he played? It was running like crazy, yeah. Uh, first, well, first to second move. He literally like ran all... Like yard touchdown, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Uh,
1: I think he... And he's on Seattle, right? Isn't he? Terrell Pryor? Uh, they Is he? caught him
0: right away. So they caught
1: him? Okay. So I mean, that guy's a great athlete, and I think that's a guy... In fact, here's what i do. If I'm in Arizona, I would call up Terrell Pryor, sign the guy if he's cut, sign that guy. Here's the deal. He's an athlete, You put the ball in his hands, you get 20 plays that work with him, where it's 20 plays of him lofting the ball to Larry Fitzgerald and another 20 plays that are options where he gets to run the ball or hand it off. You get that in the mix. He can learn that in a week, and you see what happens in the playoffs. Like You've got a better shot with that than with... Ryan Lindley and whoever the hell, like, there's some new guy I heard about they were starting today th- that they're going to start this week. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. I've never heard of the guy. He's a rookie that they signed as a rookie free agent after the season started. Like, he's not even a guy who was drafted, or anything. It's just, you had no chance with that guy.
0: By the way, I, uh, I should apologize to anyone who's listening mm-hmm. to this podcast overseas because they have no idea what we're talking about. Yes. But, um, you know. We're talking about American football, not football. Football. <laughs> So, it's football. This is a, you know most, one of the exciting time of year for us. There's one more week mm-hmm. after tonight, then playoffs start, mm-hmm. and that's when real entertaining that's football when we see is what happens. Yeah. yeah, and another thing, unlike baseball and basketball and any other uh, hockey, it really comes down to the last week because we sh- we still don't know which team's going to make the playoff, and this is what makes it really exciting.
1: Yeah, we don't know uh, with football because there's so few games.
0: 16 games. That yeah. it
1: uh, it makes us that knowing who's going to make the playoffs and, and where they're going to make the playoffs, uh, and we have this thing called seating, which you know determines who plays who and uh, where they play.
0: That's really up in the air more than anything. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, but I, I, Matt, I, I hope uh, you're right because I've been thinking uh, it's kind of ridiculous even to tell people like we're going to end up two game two teams. But I do believe like people want to come to second biggest market in the country. Uh, I would love to see Raiders, because I just Mm -hmm. feel like Raiders really is the L.A. team. I
1: mean, the the Rams have a lot of history here, and the Rams were sort of... uh, I mean, neither one of those two teams should have left when they did, but the NFL was so pushing to make the local community pay for a stadium that they wanted those teams to leave... And they didn't want a deal to happen where L.A. would set a president of the t- of the city not paying for a stadium yeah. to where they rather would have the, t- the teams leave. Uh, and they sort of sabotaged some stadium deals that were in place. Like the Raiders had a stadium deal basically in place for Hollywood Park that the NFL sabotaged. And you can find out a lot more about that if you go
0: online. Yeah, but, there was all that loss. But, uh, but I mean, but I mean, we're talking almost tw- basically 20 years, 20 years I mean, ago. Yeah.
1: And it's uh, I think they're both going to come back. And I will be happy to go watch the Raiders play in L.A.
0: So. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't have a one strong feeling or another. About, I think those two teams about, will about come Rams, back. But I, I would like yeah. to see Oakland Raiders come back. And you're right, the way financial situation is, I don't think they're going to build in downtown. But I wish they would build in downtown because. Uh, gentrification, revitalization of mm-hmm. downtown, not to mention... Well, they've
1: already got Staples Center right there. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference in terms of gentrifying the well, area. It's a I'd rather
0: take some way to do a... Yeah, I know, I know.
1: I mean, that's why I'm I really hoping they build a one in industry because it's like two miles from me where oh, the stadium would true. be. So I'm like, that'll be great. I can just go right over that way. But um, I think that plan actually makes the most sense in terms of location.
0: They don't need to like... And obviously, a lot of obviously you're going to have a plenty of parking.
1: Yeah, they could make it happen out there in the city of Industry, but you know, it remains to be seen. So. Uh, I'll cross my fingers and hopefully see the Raiders in a couple years.
0: So we talk about uh, sports, <laughs> we talk about computer stuff, and we have a little bit of time left for your comedy. Mm-hmm. So you, once okay. again, mention, mention your we'll name up again, again.
1: The, the called Hater, H-8-R, and you can watch it for free on Amazon Prime if you have an Amazon Prime account. Uh, if you do not, you can buy it from my website for five bucks or it's available other places online. Uh, and if you buy it from my website, you also get the album as a download as well. And okay. you can get the album from you know iTunes and all those places too. And
0: uh, how, how is that? Uh, how's it going it's uh
1: 46 minutes of me uh doing a headline spot at the ice house here in southern california great club as you know mm-hmm. uh probably joe rogan's there a lot yeah it's probably my favorite place to perform in southern california i would say it has the best crowds i mean i love the, the place um what i did with this it's all self-produced um my a crew. they came out we shot it you know very low budget but what i wanted it to feel like is like you were actually at a small club watching a comic, right? And I think I accomplished it's more that feel. That with way. It. Yeah, because you know we shot it in the small room at the Ice House, seats a hundred people basically, and that oh, it has that feel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it has that feel, not like a big theater the way most yeah. specials are, where it's sort of, you know, very uh, scripted. Sure. In that way, like it seems like everything's like very well rehearsed, that kind of stuff. I think this has a little bit more of uh, a feeling like you're in a small club watching a comic, and I wanted to have that feel for it uh, because, quite frankly, I didn't have the budget to pull off sure. a bigger thing, so I thought that's something I could accomplish and have it have that look and feel, and I think I, I did that. And uh, so,
0: you know, you're happy I hope people it. like
1: it. Yeah, I'm happy with how it came out. You know, it's it's uh, you know, I'm sure not everybody's gonna like it, but. You know, whatever, I can't control that. I'm sure there are people who don't like my sense of humor, which fine, whatever, I don't care. It's not everybody has to like me. Um So how often do you have a chance to go on the road? Is is the- Uh you know, I go out uh a few times a year. I'd love to go out more, but you know, financially I, I don't like to go out and lose money. Yeah. And I'm not a name. I don't have a lot of credits that I can get bookings in places where they pay more. Sure. So it's sort of Working towards getting to that point where I can can make more money doing it. Uh, I go out with Mike Muratori, a friend of both of ours a lot. Yeah. Uh, so we'll go on the road and do a lot of like, you know, smaller gigs where he's working all the time. Beast. That guy's yeah. hilarious. And he's got a special coming out uh, that you'll be able to check out in about a month on Amazon Prime called Crowdwork. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So he's going to come out. Shot in the same place. What we did was we we basically co-headlined two nights. Yeah. Uh. So like we recorded everything, and then so his was shot on the same night that mine was shot. So uh, we put it all together because it's easier to do that way. We could get the crowds out and
0: stuff. So so what's your plan like next five years if you have one for comedy? I mean, uh, ultimately, I
1: would love to make more money on the road so I could. Uh, Taper off doing the day of job stuff yeah. that I do now. Um, I would love to work more in Hollywood and get some TV credits going because I think that's really the. Uh, I mean, that's really the the step that is holding me back from making more money on the road. Yeah. is not having enough TV credits. Um, and with that, my goal is to have a friend that becomes really famous and coattail that fucker. Uh no, don't worry. <laughs> So I'm hoping that uh, you know, I've got friends who who are fairly successful you know like my friend steven glickman had his own tv show for four seasons it took I've about five years on, of, uh, on nickelodeon on panel with him yeah you know great guy uh so he's one of my best friends like i i hang out with him all the time we go on the road here and there and he's got a little bit of a name so like we can go out and do door deals fucking sing man like opera oh yeah shit. he was on broadway he played shrek on broadway yeah um so very talented guy and uh he's got a little bit of a name so we can go out and and do some stuff i've uh yet to really make any inroads in the the TV side of things and the sure. movie business. You know, I've taken acting classes, I know what to do on a set, but you know, if you're an agent listening right now and you want a new client, give me a call. Uh I don't think this podcast gonna I don't think your podcast is big with agents. No. <laughs> but uh you know, I'm hoping that this special sort of gets in the hands of some people who will see it and they'll say, "Hey, this guy's pretty good. Like he yeah he's he's not uh, you know, just some crappy open micer. He's like a real comic and he can due time, and he can put on a good show, and I would enjoy watching it. I would pay money to go see him. I would yeah. buy drinks watching him. And, you know, like, my my next goal is, you know, to write my next hour. You know, like, I've got this material that I've done, and I can do it, and it's fine, but, uh, you know, I'm working on new different. stuff because it's, you know, it's a lot of stuff I'm, I'm tired of doing. I don't want to do those jokes anymore. Like, some of them I haven't done since I recorded the special. Um, so, I'm working on new new material. I've got probably another... I don't know, half hour um, that's not on there, the, of which probably 15 I had before the special already. Sure. I've written about 15 since then. This is recorded in March, and I'm working towards the next hour, so it'll probably be another well, like And what's your website two. again? Funnymat.com. If you go to com, and if you look up... That's easy If you right. just type in the word funnymat on the internet, you will find me, because I'm funnymat on... Every website that you can have a name on, like I'm Funny Matt on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, MySpace, Reddit, <laughs> YouTube, uh, like anything where you pick a username, I am Funny Matt on that website. So go to funnymat.com and you can find out more about the special. You can watch it right online, and I hope you like it. If you do, uh, write a review, leave me some feedback. If you don't like it, you can let me know at Mattwalkersucks.com. That's my other website where I take all my hate mail. And you can send me a email there and tell me how terrible I am. I'm happy to get there.
0: And if they have a question about, you know, comedy or um, um, NFL f- football slash yeah. Oakland Raiders and high-tech stuff, they could, yeah. you know, just... Not, or if you know, you're a
1: a, uh, a beautiful supermodel and you want to take naked pictures of yourself on your cell phone, you want to make sure they're protected, you can give me a call. I will work out a way to where the only person other than you and the intended recipient that sees them will be me. I will make sure that happens I, and I will I protect your data. You. <laughs> I'll protect your data so that nobody else sees it besides you and me and whoever you're sending it to, uh, and I won't even charge you very much. So we can make that happen.
0: Well, um, (laughs) go to uh, Matt's website if you have a question, Mm -hmm. and uh, I I know knowing the kind of person he is, he he will definitely respond. Yeah, and And if you're in
1: uh, Southern California, you can check me out at the Ice House on January 10th. I'm back there with Mike Muratori
0: and uh, Neil Edwards and some other very funny companies. Oh, cool. It's going to be a good show. And uh, um, I might even come over and check it out. Great, awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. And, uh, yeah, like I said, contact Matt and check out his comedy. Thank you, Yoshi. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it was good seeing you. And uh, I will talk to you guys soon.